Hi everybody, welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast, episode 91. I am here in the basement with my co-host and teenage son, Jack. Say hello. Hi. <laughs> and we are, I don't know, it's Easter weekend, so happy Easter if that's something you celebrate in your household. We're trying to knock off some recording before our weekend of family visits begins. My parents are coming in the it next... It just occurred to me, if you if you were like a not nice person, do you think a way you could celebrate Easter was egging someone's house? Yes, you could, I guess, if you were a not nice person. Yeah, but that luckily, just occurred to me. we are nice people. So yeah, um, so heard. my parents and your cousin Amelia are coming up today, and then tomorrow we're I heading... I remember the last time she was here. I know, it's been a while. And then tomorrow we're heading to your other grandparents your pa- your mother's parents the house other ones. to play some table tennis and eat some korean food i would assume and stuff like that so seems to be the typical gig i think i'll get a spider-man dvd out of that i think oh yeah is that I what think you think that's what um how is that happening is getting uh, momo oh is momo would, meeting us there she would get it and then so because it went out on nice uh tuesday so i just have i would have gotten it already and probably killed my bank account but she's getting it for you because you're a spoiled little brat yeah nice yeah so that's our plan and then just sort of relaxing on monday before we head back to work for another short week of work which is awesome yeah but we're back with our regular format uh we watched a whole bunch of wrestling this week i know i did i even hit impact this week so and we're we've got rampage waiting we didn't get to it yet yeah we didn't get to it because but uh we're busy Down people, but headache. yeah, that's true. You were taken yeah, out last night. There is also a Battle of the Belts tonight, if we feel oh, like it. Oh, is that tonight too, Battle right? Battle of the Belts 2. Right. I know I'll be watching the Blue Jay game with my dad. That will be, because <laughs> that's a guarantee. It's on at 3 o'clock Yay. if he loves the Blue Jays. But um, yeah, so we won't get to Rampage today, but we'll pretty much get to everything else. we will else, right? definitely watch it. Maybe oh, throw 100%. out a mention next week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely gonna there's a that looks like a pretty stacked card right so something I'm interested in seeing for sure mm-hmm. I don't know anything else you wanted to banter about or do you want to get down to business I here? I think we're good to go all right so let's move into our first segment where we look at some of the week's wrestling news and rumors so taking our usual look at ratings first of all there wasn't much of a shift this week uh so I guess they were calling it Title Tuesday edition of NXT 2.0. That's such a... Right. There was a bunch of title matches, so I guess that makes sense. I mean, in theory, like, I guess AEW had a couple, so you... Uh, I don't know. You can't do that either. <laughs> uh, it, I think the only, like, I think the Title Tuesday is kind of... I think the slightly less, slightly, like, worse or just, like, weird sounding was remember when they did super tuesday yes super tuesday the uh like the pilot of tuesday nxt if you will is that what it was yeah they did it for like two weeks and then they went back to wednesdays for a bit before the permanent switch remember there's the four-way iron man match once they gave up trying to take on aew right yes that was the beginning of them giving up we're gonna run away to a different night exactly so they got on this title tuesday edition they got six hundred ten thousand viewers down very slightly, 3.32%, so not much of a move. And a 0.12 in the key demographic, which is down, that's significant, 148 because, again, that's what they really care about, so they won't be happy to see that. Lowest audience since March 1st, which isn't that long ago. Second lowest audience in the key demo so far this year, so that's not something they're a fan of. But overall viewership was pretty similar. For AEW Dynamite this week, it was a live edition. They got 977,000 viewers. Which, again, just very slightly down 1.21% and earned a 0.37 in the key 18-49 to 49 demo. 
which is down 2.63%. So very, very similar numbers to last week, only a slight dip for them. The biggest dip came in the key demo for NXT. Uh, what do you have for news for us this week? Um, so Tony Khan is back at it again. Another major announcement set right. for next time. I mean, to be fair, the last one was Ring of Honor. So let's hope it's a little more interesting than the debut at the end of Dynamite this week. But oh, we'll get roasted. There. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Um. Hopefully, it's something interesting. Uh, come here. Oh, yeah. Come here. That's what it should be. Come yeah. here. Come to Toronto. Yes. Or yeah, somewhere near us would be nice. Yes. Yeah. I'll go to any province to go to that oh you will eh you're the, you're gonna pay for all that the flight ah, the no, car? no i'm willing yeah um, you're willing um so i think it's gonna tie into some that you have is that wwe chairman and ceo obviously vince mcmahon has recently issued a decree on superstar ring names and no kidding right because we've seen a whole bunch of this so the wrestling observer newsletter reports that the roster recently received a memo included a decree from vince who doesn't want anyone using their real names or names they've used before on the indies. So examples of that, right? We've got Walter became Gunther. Uh, Marcel Bartel became whatever it is. Ludwig Kaiser. Kaiser. Ludwig Kaiser, even though Bartel... So it turns out Marcel Bartel is his real name, but I read that WWE has the rights to it, so I'm a bit confused, but anyways. So why wouldn't they just... like If you have the rights to it, what's the Go, issue? I guess because it's his real name. So at some point, yeah, but they... he, he could... I guess. Say it's his name and keep using it in the future when they don't want that, right? Yeah, but I'm surprised they care about Marcel Bartel. Raquel Gonzalez became Rodriguez. Is she? Is her real name Raquel Gonzalez? Or I don't know. Or they're just switching it up. It could be. And then what was the one you wanted to announce? Because I think I'm stealing, stepping on your news if I say it. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Raul Mendoza of NXT. Who's, he's been there for a long time. Right. Oh, okay, she's, she's Victoria Gonzalez. So. There you go. Got to get rid of the Gonzalez. Right. Um. Anyways, but Roman Doza, he's, he was like a jobber for ages, yes. I remember. Um. But he's now Cruz del Toro. Right. And just, C-R-U-Z del Toro. And just suddenly on this week's episode of NXT, he just has a different name. And I don't even know if they really spent any time explaining it to I'm us. I'm wondering if it's like what's worse, where they just like completely change it and they just ignore it or like that they they um they would like go through explaining i'm just, i'm just right like, well, i don't know what would be worse. worse i feel like both are equally bad because like why but like i think it makes more they sense tried if they're with switching, walter right if they're switching to the main roster then yeah. you can change them like i mean they just obviously don't do it like that but something like butch just less offensive right they just pretend no one watched nxt which is fairly true i mean they're which only is, getting six hundred thousand people watching. but like at least that makes more because he's switching like it's not like like roman does it staying in the same spot you right. know what i mean and Walter was Gunther before he went to SmackDown. Like, yes. if it changed when he went to SmackDown, I would still hate it, but it makes, like, slightly more sense. Right. So, I Mendoza like... became Del Toro. Pete Dunne became Butch. Austin Theory became Theory because Austin is his first name. So, they had to get rid of that. Um, <laughs> like, it's like he's the first guy to be named. Like, Austin is not exclusive to Austin Theory. And no. I feel like just Theory. Like, change his whole name. Don't make him just Theory. That's stupid. It sounds that's, bad. That's me. like when they made the, him Ali. Just Ali. Right. And then they went back to Mustafa Ali, right? It's just, I just find it funny because it's like Vince suddenly gets a bug up his butt for stuff. Right. But then, like, all of a sudden he's back to Mustafa Ali or like, right. Or I don't know, um, someone else who got their name back. And again, I could see it going back to Austin Theory sometime. And like, it's just like, what the what the hell? It's sort of an indication of your ceiling, I think, too, because you'll notice they're totally fine with Cody Rhodes being Cody Rhodes. 
and Gable Stevenson being Gable Stevenson. Right? I think another weird example is Seth freaking Rollins. I don't know why they changed that. Well, at least I thought he kept it was, the same name. I thought it was fine as an occasional nickname, but now that it's his, in his name, I hate right. it. So it seems like if you have main event potential for Vince, then and you have name recognition already coming in, they don't want to change it, right? Because people know Gable Stevenson as Gable Stevenson, so they're going to try and ride off of that popularity and pick up some viewers that way. So... It's basically like, here's a hard and fast rule for 98% of you. But if you right. really have potential, then we might let you keep your name for and a like bit. Also, like for Cody, it's like the name. And also, it's like they, he was Cody Rhodes in WWE yes. for ages. I feel like it's yes. different. Like, I mean, to be fair, he could have been Stardust. So right. like their problems could have been solved. But no, no <laughs> Stardust. Right. They could have created a bunch of other problems, I think. But anyways, oh, like should, unhappy Cody. should have been Cody. Stardust. Okay. All right, what else do you have for us? I got a few things this week. Don't have Stardust. Uh, so there's gonna be a WWE UK stadium show on yeah, September third. First Cardiff. time in a long time. So that's interesting. Yeah. I do enjoy the stadium shows. It's just a better atmosphere. It's just different, right. right? And a different crowd. Also too. forces them to have a different entrance stage. So. And just their fans cheering for what they want, sort of thing, is always fun to see. Yeah, I'm not sure if it'll be like it's too late for SummerSlam, of course, unless they really pushed it back. But I don't think they will. No, I don't think so either. It'll um, be some in between so special show. It'll either be like yeah, a special show insert name here. Yes. Or like I guess September's usually Hell in a Cell, right? Except for last Could year. Could be that. So although I don't know why Hell in a Cell would be in the same show, I don't know. It'll probably be some one off like um when they do Super Showdown in Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. or like. I don't know, superstar spectacle for India, like just yeah. something like one off, unless they go I back. I think so. Yeah, I think it'll be some right. sort of one off show. Stadium stampede. <laughs> um, it appears it's going to come up in our Dynamite review as well, but Red Velvet and Kiera Hogan seem to be part of the TBS champion Jade Cargill's quote unquote baddie section because they were shown in that section this week. Um, they were, the announcers even referred to them and pointed out that they were in that section. And then Cargill, I guess, later confirmed on Twitter that Red Velvet and Kiera Hogan were all on the invite list this week into the baddie section. So it's not like um, they infiltrated the section, right? They were invited. So that leads me to believe they are part of some sort of faction. Right. Um, Which, again, we were talking about, it feels a little bit WWE-ish because are we just putting all the women of color into a faction together, which is not my favorite move. To be fair, I noticed that also with Keith Lee and Swerve, but also right. that was sick. So Right, so it's a bit, I'm a bit wondering what the plan is here and why that has to be the case, but we'll trust AEW at this point a bit more than WWE. What else you got for us? Um, RK-Bro and the Usos are facing off of WrestleMania Backlash against Survivor Series isn't, rematch. Hey-o. Aren't all of them like running it back for that show again? Isn't like Rollins and Cody gonna fight again, right? That's the point. This is I a guess, Survivor right? Series rematch, so that's kind of weird. But this is because now they're doing the unification for the tag mm-hmm. titles. I think they'll also do that for the women's title, and then I feel like the two mid card titles can stay because they're not like brand exclusive. You know what I mean? IC yes. title and and would you assume the Usos are winning those titles? Yeah, me too. Sure. Right, and then the Bloodline have, and we'll talk about it. But there was lots of not lots of, but there were multiple Bloodline references on NXT this week. Mm-hmm. involving a certain well, person that's it for me so oh really else it's you i got two more uh three more that are two of them are kind of funny i think caleb with a k known as caleb Connolly, has announced on twitter he's no longer with impact wrestling that is funny and i did watch impact and they did seem to be writing him off of the show i think honestly he started out not great in this caleb with the k and he really grew into it i thought he did a really good job but kind of a limited role on impact right he was just sort of the second for Tennille and then what are they called? The influence. He rarely got to wrestle. 
Uh, and when he did, it was kind of really brief comedy spots. Or it's what you could hardly stuff. call wrestling. Right. Know? And he's actually a pretty good wrestler, right? So I imagine he's looking to get out there and actually wrestle. I don't blame him for leaving um, and looking to do something else. I don't know where he fits in. He's not exactly a big name, right? It might just be he's an indie guy. I don't see him signing with any of the major companies. Um, but he is a talented guy. So I hope uh, he lands on his feet somewhere. Um, we talked about this briefly. I put it in the news because it made me laugh. I feel like these this is evidence that these people are not very self-aware, and that's Killer Cross. He's released a trailer for a new project with Scarlet, um, and it's it's basically the Killer Smoke Show Till Death, a 90-minute special he says he is co-writing and co-producing with Pro Wrestling TV. So this what is it? The description for the trailer on YouTube goes on to describe the special as the wrestling wedding event of the year. Wedding? Yes. Aren't they already married? I don't know. So maybe it's footage from that then, right? That's still stupid. So I I don't who's interested in this? It feels like these two are kind of delusional of their place in wrestling, right? And hey their man, influence. he's trying to control his narrative, all right? I guess. So they've been underwhelming for me pretty much everywhere they've been. And they've been given. Oh man, I hated Cross in NXT. And they gave them opportunities to shine, right? Put the belt on him, try and book him really strong. Oh, and it for just way didn't too work. long. Right. So I don't know what gives them the idea that anybody's looking for more content from them, especially a 90 minute movie. I really don't. I think this is them overestimating their impact in the world of wrestling, if you will. So I thought that was kind of funny. And then finally, we talked about it ourselves. LA Knight debuted as a manager. During a dark match that took place With, prior to SmackDown. Dio Madden. Correct. He is, uh, looks to be managing former Retribution member Mace, who I think he show, debuted a new look as well. I didn't really look at the pictures. I'm pretty sure it was just he didn't have face paint. At least it might have been more, but I know at least he just didn't have face paint. So and, whoopee. Right. And prior to the match, Knight spoke on behalf of Mace and said that he is creating a stable called Knight Model Management. And apparently this is pretty similar to what they wanted for adam cole when they were trying to re-sign him and put him on main roster sad how dare they try to do that so i don't doubt that knight could be a good manager but he's also like a decent wrestler especially main roster style so at some point they must be planning on having him wrestle as well yeah he could be that kind of manager i guess i don't yeah even then i'm just like why is he have to I don't know and why. Is Mace really... Why can't he like lead the faction? I don't know why he has to be like right. a manager. Maybe that is what it is. They were just like running. Yeah, that like, could this be. This would be like him not wrestling. Because he be, could like... talk for Mace. Uh, right. he, he can't wrestle for Mace, unfortunately. But <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't seem like Mace is like the crown jewel of any sort of meaningful faction, right? Like I highly doubt that if this is your first guy in the faction, how strong this group's going to be. So anyways, I... I am curious to see if Knight is gone, gone from NXT at this point or not, but uh, seems like he might be. And that's everything I had for news, so should Me we? Me too. All right, well, let's move into Behind the Curtain. We just finished watching the last few minutes of it, and we're going to talk about this week's episode of AEW Dynamite. Um. So we opened with kind of an odd match, which was... CM Punk versus Penta Oscuro. A, a match I definitely want to see, but yeah, kind of no odd. Any build or story to this? I don't remember one. No, no. right? Just kind of randomly happening. Yeah. Which is part of my complaints later, but go ahead. Talk yeah, about it. Yeah. Um, so there's a bit of a strike exchange at first. Um, at one point, Penta countered GTS into an ankle lock. There's the top rope botch by Punk, which is kind of like one there of the was. Main things of the match. 
Yeah, they missed everything on that one. Yeah. Uh, Penta got a rope break on an Anaconda device. There's a spring rope line by Punk. Penta countered the GTS, almost got a package pile driver. Punk got out. Uh, Punk countered the arm snap into a roll-up for two. Penta hit a nice super kick, and then but the springboard movie tried to go for was caught by a GTS, and Punk picks up the win. Yeah, so I, I think, I don't know if you remember, but even before the match started, I was typing out a little rant about this, and it's just, I hate how they've handled this gimmick change for Penta, right? Um, He was my favorite in Lucha Underground. The dark character he did there was amazing, and it felt like this is what they're trying to do here, but they're they're doing it all wrong as far as I'm concerned. Like, his entrance, the pl- the props on the stage when he enters are really cheesy, right? Like, the gravestone or whatever it was. Like, it's just, I don't know, it feels like high school... Um, play to me uh abrahantes looks ridiculous and penta loses every match right so i don't pentagon dark is supposed to be for me at least a killer he's breaking people's arms he's not like a talented mid carter that only wins sometimes to me if you're not willing to push him to the moon with this pentagon dark character don't then bother. don't then don't do it and don't treat don't put abrahantes the way he is don't put the cheap props on the stage when you enter like do this for real so i'm frustrated by this but anyways also notice how many notables he got not really right. mostly on him on the back pedal i thought it was a good competitive match and the crowd was super hot for it um especially there was a lengthy initial strike and chop exchange which i thought was an interesting once you see the suzuki joe match right that we got two really chop heavy starts to matches bookending this show but in the end it was a really well-paced match lots of back and forth action Nothing really crazy, no real crazy spots, right? So I think there's a gear that these guys could hit again. But um, And again, I don't think this helps Penta establish his new character at all. What is the difference between previous Penta and Penta Dark other than Abrahantes presentation? And now he wears all black instead he, of wearing cool right, colors. He wears slightly different clothes. So I, I don't get it, but also, he, Penta doesn't feel better or different. Um, where but did anyways. Death Triangle go? I mean, right. we all know what happened to Phoenix, but where's Pac? Right. So I thought this was a strong opener for sure, and most of my issues come with the Penta character, not Penta wrestling. So good, good opener. But again, I think these two could do better than this. But I still enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, while well, I am disappointed, all amounts to another Penta loss. I think it was a solid opener. Would have been a good match with a bit of faster pace, more stuff, and taking away that major botch. But I think it was. Solid all around. I think one of AEW's rare misfires is Pentos Girl because they could repackage him, made him darker, cooler, probably heel, and like made him a, t- a bigger star. But he's basically just inherited a dark entrance and gear and then remained mostly the same, not exactly. picking up big wins. I agree. It is a waste of this because like, I feel like now like if they go back to this when they want to push him, it's kind of just like a repackage of it instead of like introducing it because I think that vignette was cool. And then now it's just like not it's kind of being wasted and Abrahantes is taking away from the presentation not adding to it because he just looks ridiculous to me right so that's not helping it at all for me uh next we get jazz coming out of a plane earlier today um jericho says this is how sports interchange travel only the best and kingston pound profit um come in and i think they took the car from 2.0 or looked like they came in with the car but i think they just took the car and i think they took one of the guy's shoes too I think the point was that they had like kidnapped and attacked 2.0 and then shoved them out of the car. And I I think, I don't know. But so my note, my question was, did Hager start out with no shirt or did, because he ended up without a shirt. Did he get off of the airplane with no shirt on? Because that's weird to me. I think he did. (laughs) Right. So that's interesting. But yeah, I guess like at the end of the day, this advances the feud. Didn't take up much time. 
we didn't get a lengthy promo, which I don't really think I need every week from from um, Jericho's group. I mean, the kidnapping angle isn't the most creative, but I guess it sort of served its purpose here. I don't know. I, I'm not fully on board with the Jericho Appreciation Society at this point, so I don't know. I guess I preferred this to a 10-minute promo with Jericho in the ring, but it wasn't amazing. It was fine. Sure. I, I like the, uh, Kingston Power and Powerful. I thought it was kind of funny. I guess they're kind of neutralizing the outside interference because they just threw him out of a car. I guess not really. They'll probably come back. Right. Uh, next we get Redragon or Red Doctor Agon, whatever you want to call him, versus Jurassic Express for the AEW tag titles. My first note: What a match! Exclamation point. Yes. Um, some some of the highlights: There was a running hook cutoff followed by a dropkick by Jungle Boy. Um, Fish was targeting the leg of Luchasaurus on the outside. There's a stiff knee to Kyle Riley by Luchasaurus as Kyle Riley's like sliding and maybe for like a leg pick. It just looked like didn't take it as planned. It just looked really stiff, but it was like cool. Remember, like, Luchasaurus just need him really stiff. Yes. Oh, right. It looked like he just flattened him with it. Yeah, it was like, cool. Like but... O'Reilly was expecting something else and ended up taking a hard knee. Yeah, that yeah and he good. was fine. It just looked yep, really looked stiff. Yeah, it looked great. Uh, there's a comeback layer to Kyle O'Reilly by Jungle Boy. Low bridge fish out, fish out and then hits consecutive suicide dives to both. Um, there's hot take exploratory from Luchasaurus. Double chokes him with Luchasaurus. Standing moonsault to Kyle O'Reilly for two. Uh, diving elbow drop. Sidewalk slam for two by Jurassic Express. Butterfly suplex by Kyle Riley kind of like rolls through, and then they do like a double team butterfly DDT wheelbarrow suplex looked, by Redragon. Looked awesome. Uh, Kyle Riley has a source in the guillotine choking near the corner. Fish hits a, a falcon arrow, like an avalanche falcon arrow to Jungle Boy over That will them. never not look cool. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> it's a two count because source uses Kyle Riley to break off the pin, so I thought that was really cool. It was well done. There's this frenzied sequence at the end with like a lot of back and forth shots. It was really cool. And then eventually Jurassic Express connect with thoracic express to retain the titles mm-hmm. after the match there was a bit of a chair attack from kyle o'reilly and then ftr come out they raise their titles and we're arguing with red dragon so that's cool yeah uh this match i thought was pretty awesome it just kind of kept building and building and by the end i was captivated by this you just have a really nice clear heel baby face dynamic right and the simple stakes of a championship just added to this and just fantastic in-ring work the whole time just i don't know this is just what aew does they have tag team matches that i want to see and am thoroughly entertained by i thought this was a fantastic match um preferred it to the opener by a significant amount not that the opener was bad but i thought this was awesome um and then man is ftr over right now right they feel like gigantic stars all they did was walk out and not say a word i got really excited too and they get a huge reaction so there's so many fantastic matches that FTR could have right now, including Red Dragon for sure. So they've done exactly what we hoped with FTR, right? Like built them into just being superstars right now. And they are it's weird. as I, over I'm as any like, babyface at this point, I I'm think. I'm still like, I want them to do that as heels, but at the same time, this it's is working. going really well. It so. is 100%. So I, I really enjoyed everything about this segment for sure. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great TV match, another great tag out in Curse of AW, and that'll be a continuing theme um i thought it was great the sequence towards the end was super entertaining the only thing is they were at a bit of a disadvantage given ftr's two recent tag matches being really great amazing like pretty fresh in the mind yes but this is still great i think a couple of iffy dives aside everything was great i got super excited when ftr came out because at first i thought they were going to face red dragon so i and maybe they will they will i got super excited for that but then i got even more excited because i thought this is maybe that setting up their play for the AEW titles right 
which I think is also cool. I think we can maneuver another three-way tag. I would totally take this. Like, this should be your double-or-nothing tag title match. Like, I don't know how they could justify Red Dragon being in the mix again, but do that. We could find a way. And and this... So ROH, I think, is giving you what you want, which is more titles, and in a way that's not going to bother me because it's technically a separate company, you know what I mean? But you can have more tag champs, you can have a TV champ, so you're getting the more belts that you want, and I'm not getting the watering down of AEW itself. I can sort right. of just agree, accept I, that it's I a do separate see that, company. Yeah, I, for me, I would still like maybe like just one more mid-card title, and then I'm good, but right. I think, yeah, it does, like, even if it's just for now, I think that is a good point. It does kind of add, like, another set of stakes just like for the time being right. the only thing is i see like i feel like the roh titles tend to serve like a different purpose like i feel like they're a bunch of aw guys you're not going to see winning the ring of honor titles but i think generally I think so. for now i think that's a good point for those yep. titles like it it's another like something to fight over for the time being right and maybe it's other stuff maybe a in. notch below the aew stuff but that's fine they have it's so many right? so many yeah. tag teams right that they need to get some attention for so i think i think they're gonna do well with it probably right for sure and i think then still do trios titles and then that's yep, those are coming with kenny whenever yeah. kenny's back whenever kenny's back yeah i would take the elite as the chance for sure um next we got a quick speaking of trios <laughs> um we got an interview with the blackpool combat club Yuda's full it, in now so in. that is great kind of had yeah. to be um uh so they are gonna have a trios match against the feared undefeated <laughs> gun club right on rampage uh dance is fired up because Yuda's finally fighting alongside them after bleeding with mocks and spinning in danson's face Mox says he doesn't like the gun club and thinks they're a bunch of goofs. And Yuta finishes off with saying on Friday, the real work begins. Yeah, I think Yuta's still a bit of a work in progress on the mic. But honestly, the other three can protect him, right? Because they're fantastic as he tries to improve and gets a little bit here and there. Um, his match against Moxley on Rampage, that was, right? I think has put Yuta on the map with a lot of mainstream wrestling fans because that match was fantastic. And I, I don't think he's ever been more interesting than he is right now, right? So um, this group is still really working for me. Um, so, yeah, I like this. Yeah, I like that. I thought um, I really like Danielson in this. Um, I thought Mox was good, too. I think Yuta was fine, not, like, most comfortable on the mic, but still no. still solid. Yep. Um, I like that he's in the faction now. Kind of need to happen after the Rampage match, but yes. um, I think still good like that actually happened. They've made a new star, right? So that's they cool. They did do that. And again, there's another title in there, right? Something WWE is not willing to do, right? They're not willing to give a young guy this much attention and put right. him over this strong. For sure. Um, Next, we get a Team Hater Tony Storm segment again. Again. For some reason, I cannot fathom why this is happening again. It's them going, see, we, we deal with the women. We include the women on this show. Yeah, but this is weak. If you're going to include stupid Tony Storm, at least have, well, you're and doing if, something more meaningful. Not to jump ahead, but like the match, we, the women's match we get this week isn't yeah. exactly a banger either. Isn't but anyways. Exactly. Yeah, they're just playing around with this, you know? Yeah. Uh, Hater talked about how they had similar paths in their career. Sure. I guess they're both from the UK. No. Storm's Australian, is she not? Okay, they both have accents. They're both, yeah, not from America, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Hater says she's going to break Storm's face, and Storm walked away. So Sorry, that was something. Tony Storm is from New Zealand. I have to correct that quickly. I, I thought don't, she was. I don't think people like when you mix up New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, I thought she was, but I was under Vincent, so I was to- just going to go with... Sorry, Tony Storm, I know you're listening. I wouldn't apologize to her. I would. Uh, so I'm I'm fine with this simple rivalry. I thought that Hater did a decent job in this quick little promo. I assume Storm gets the win because she's the new talent and seems to be 
sort of at a different status from Hater at this point. But I'm actually interested in the match because like I, I think I said it last week, I find both of these women hit and miss for me. So if they're both on, the match could be really good. So I'm a little bit interested to see. Yeah, you are I'm less not, interested. <laughs> I'm not really interested in this. Um, like, it's fine, I guess. They claimed this was signed on because fans wanted it. I want to know who the hell wanted this so I can punch them in the face because this is wow. just boring. I'm like, okay with it. Who cares? I, I don't care that much, but I'm a little bit curious. Jamie Hayter is like low card talent and Tony Storm is not good. So count me out. Right. Uh, next we get MJF versus Sean Dean wearing face paint, sort of. Yeah, he was kind of, right? Embracing his, I think, military persona. Little on the nose. Persona. <laughs> yeah. Literally on the nose. <laughs> oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't much here. MJF just did, he whipped Dean hard into the corner. He's posing back, turned to the barricade. Later on, Warlock comes in in a staff uniform because he's going to totally blend in then. <laughs> uh, Very original. MJF, or Warlock chases MJF up the ramp until Spears attacks, doesn't phase him, goes for a powerbomb until security comes. The ref is counting the count out as the security are holding Wardlow back in front of the ring, and MJ is kind of like trying to like maneuver around it, but he can't really. Right. Which I'm like, they're holding him back, just like run around really faster. Something. Like, something. He could he he could have maneuvered it better for a smart guy. <laughs> um, until MJF grabs a mic, offers to triple the ref's pay, and and then the ref just counts him out anyways. Um, this is not the first time where MJF is being a little less smart than MJF should be. Yeah. It seems that way. <laughs> um, not the most original idea, obviously, to have Wardlow disguised as security, but I thought it worked here. He looked like a monster. The crowd are really, really behind him. So I think they're doing a good job because when he finally gets his hands on MJF, people are going to go nuts, right? Because MJF has the ability to build feuds unlike anybody else. Like, if you just look at all of MJF's feuds, like, the matches end up being hot because people just love to hate MJF, right? Um, and that's the value of MJF on display. He can build a feud with anyone in pretty much any amount of time you need him to. So when he and Wardlow finally touch, the crowd I think is going to go nuts. So I, I think this worked. It's I not think, original I think or too. innovative, I, but it worked. I'll get to what they're setting up for next week with right. Wardlow, which I don't think they should have no, been that, doing. I agree. But um, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But I think it was what you'd expect or you should have expected if you didn't expect this um just another air quotes match to further storyline and i don't mean that as a knock to this right it was what it was it should have been it was fine for what it was it did what it was meant to do i agree um i think it was done well um i like the running storyline that they've kind of created now of sean dean continuing to beat the the once undefeated mjf by like these lesser means what like if mjf were doing this it would be called nefarious means but it's like accidentally right. beating mjf by like counter or disqualification and, like, he keeps beating MJF by these means because of MJF's current, like, major feud. Before it was Punk, now it's Wardlow. So I think that's kind of interesting. And while they've kind of run the course of these two basic options, they could get more creative with this. Like, down the road, if MJF's got another major feud, like, let's say he's feuding with Hangman, mm-hmm. they could do this again. They just got to get more creative with it. And I feel like that's kind of a interesting little running storyline that they've seemingly created i bet they know it too sean dean's gonna fly up the rankings without ever legitimately winning that would be interesting and then he just like dies in a and like maybe mjf becomes champion sean dean justifies the title match and just gets killed then right but um i think it's interesting that they kind of create and i feel like it's the whereas wwe they kind of just accidentally do that and then retcon it or something yes i feel like AEW probably knows what they're doing they probably have a plan yep Mm -hmm. Um, next week, we get Darby Allen vignette. Back to the days of old here. No sting in sight. 
either, yeah, right? So that made sure. it feel like his pre-Sting stuff mm-hmm. that we enjoyed. Uh, Alan was talking about Andrade adding that he's going to put a nail in this whole thing. Another coffin match, baby. And yeah. I was like, yes. And I was like, what the hell? I'm cheering for a coffin match. But I think the last one was good with, uh, what was it? It was him and Paige, yeah. Yes. Uh, Ethan Page, Ethan I should Page, specify. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's cool. I, these are the Darby Allen segments that I like, I, that we like. So I think that this was good. I hope this is like, I, the match I, could I, I be amazing. Sting is going to be back. He's, he's going to come back. But this is what they should be doing with Darby Allen. And Andrade is just going to kill him, and Darby's going to let him, right? It's going to be. Oh, yeah. It'll be good be for a sure. Because I, I really enjoyed their other match. Yeah. I. I thought this was sort of back to Darby Allen's roots in AEW, which I really liked. I thought it was a cool way to announce the match. And again, we on FNS Wrestling enjoy when he's not got Sting by his side all the time. And again, I think the match should be awesome because Andrade's just been killing it lately and everybody that works with Darby Allen comes out looking good. So I assume that match will be pretty crazy. Yeah, um, I think... I don't know, I, I feel like Darby should win that because it's kind of his match, but also like... I don't think he's hurt losing either. Yeah, he could. He did win the first one, so I don't know. I could see it going either way. For I sure. feel like Andrade needs a a signature win at some point, right? Depending yeah. on what their plans to are for him. To be fair, he did beat Darby already, and then yes. I mean, I don't love like you don't have to fifty fifty book it, right? But at the same time, they like probably they could will. get a third match out of this, and it is Darby's that signature would be a, match. Well, as and you said. you could we're again gearing up for double or nothing. True. You could put a third match on this at slap another cool stipulation on that and i feel like pay-per-view matches allow like you to do a lot more just because you get like the time frame's different you yep. know what i mean and that so, would be a big match without a championship involved it right which i feel meaningful. like sometimes they kind of struggle with like mm-hmm. the like the inner circle stuff they did before like um i don't know some stuff like i remember at the last pay-per-view there were some things that didn't feel like pay-per-view right like the, the tornado trios match i think it was like stuff like that i feel like sometimes they do well, but then sometimes they struggle with non-title matches. So I feel like this would be an easy one if you fifty-fifty book. It. I'd watch it again easily. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, next we get a well, it was just Malachi Black, but a House of Black promo. Which, yeah, I had no like, notes. Another on this thing we haven't seen because I think I got lost in this promo, yeah. so I didn't get notes. Um, I didn't catch much of it, but he was talking about killing souls. Said he wanted you to be afraid of the shadows. Um, I didn't catch much of it, but I thought it was cool. Still, um, just Black, but um, I've missed them being on Dynamite, like matches or or uh promos i want more house of black they were really cool i feel like also when they brought in murphy they were on a roll especially they were like hot after the kickoff match i thought and they just all they got was a couple of like enhancement matches on rampage like i want like give me a murphy solo outing like where has all this house of black stuff and i haven't even seen like murphy getting squashes on dark or any of them like they we need more house of black i, I think yeah they're I awesome i wasn't quite sure what was going on with this promo or what it's leading to it was almost too cryptic for me but i mean it sounded yeah. cool it looks cool i don't really know what he was talking about though yeah same um i i, I don't know i just want i want more of them because i think they were really cool and i think i don't know i think they could capitalize more off of that kickoff match yeah hopefully they're that, is one of those matches where it had it was so much better than it had any right to be. It was fun, and they're they're a cool group, so I'm hoping they're still gonna turn That's it around. But cool. this, I don't know, this was this was fine, I guess. But I didn't really think it moved anything forward or presented anything new although i yeah. might have just missed it because he was being no, super cryptic. I, I think that's fair it was just like mostly cryptic speak from Black. right uh next we get jazz represented by jericho hager and garcia versus a kingston santana and ortiz um there are the crowd count punches on jericho from santana and some more strikes 
pop-up air quotes double team to Ortiz by Jericho and Hager, where Hager just popped up. Uh, Ortiz, like, just tossed him up in the air. Right. And then uh, Jericho, like, he put his hands into, like, like, pretend and make it look like he's helping force him down after yes. it. He didn't really do anything, and Ortiz just kind of lands on his knees and hands, I guess, or whatever. Um, there's a frog splash by Santana for two. Um, Jericho got, a, like, a cheap bat, cheap shot to the... Uh, baseball bat cheap shot to the back of Kingston and then Garcia rolled him up for the win because a shot to the back is gonna affect a roll up right. like and a nice tight roll up by the technician the you know right the sports entertainer right um after the match they beat down Kingston juice effect Ortiz eh. I, I I'm just I don't know this group still feels like four guys that kind of stuck together they don't feel like a very cohesive group to me at this point um I don't think there was anything wrong with this match but I think it suffers in comparison to the earlier standout tag match and then another one that's going to come up after this. Like, I get that this was a six-man tag, but still a tag match regardless. So, I don't... It just... Compared to the um, Jurassic Express match and Red Dragon, it doesn't hold a candle, right? So, and I mean, for how angry Eddie Kingston has been at this group, I feel like this should have been more intense and violent. Yeah, it kind of was too short and just kind of like, there wasn't a lot of like... There wasn't a lot in it. Right, and this is Santana and Ortiz who are supposed to have this long history with Jericho and hate him, right? I don't think that was enough, evident enough in this either. I did think Santana looked really good. I guess the finish is fine because this feud is nowhere near over, right? So this allows them to sort of keep this going. But uh, it's getting as we get more and more evidence that I'm just not that interested in uh, Jericho's group at this point. I don't think you are either. I am definitely not. Um, I, I don't know. I just think like... This kind of was like, um, I'm trying to think, it was kind of like that match where, was it them, it was Santana Ortiz and Jericho versus three people. Um, <laughs> sure, you're not counting on I my know. memory, I it was hope. It was when they were having issues with each other. Right, I don't know. Uh, I should There's remember. no way or I like, remember um, that. Jericho and Garcia versus um, Silver and Reynolds, like something like that. Like, this is just like... It was better when Power and Power were in control, but I didn't even, like, note much from them. I, I'm just bored of J- Jazz matches because I don't think Jericho's that interesting. He doesn't offer a lot anymore. Hager's not good, and Garcia's just, like, feeling out of place in this faction. And I feel like other than the first couple promos with this group, they're just telling us they're sports entertainers, but they're not really doing Right, they're, they keep going on with stuff. the sports entertainer stuff, and that's annoying on its own. But it's even more annoying because they just... There's more faces in the crowd. Right. They're not... They are not that different from other eels. Like, right. to me, like, I feel like Jericho's not, like, it's like MJF is, like, not. They should be working a safe style. They should be cutting ridiculous promos in scripted right, in ways that people don't speak. Actually, right? Like, make if you, it seem like that. If you want to mock WWE, do it, but I don't think they're do doing it, well. it. They're just telling us they are. Right. So I, I don't know. I want to really like Garcia, but. This group isn't doing anything for me. Yeah, right I don't love this. I don't like their gimmick. Their matches are boring, so I don't know if I really... Like, I don't care about them. No. It just doesn't offer anything for Especially me. Especially on a show with a better tag match before and after it, right? It yes. kind of gets... It kind of pales And the last comparison. week and the week before that. Right. Um, next, we get MJF interview with Spears and Sterling. <laughs> um, MJF asked Marvez and fans think it's funny he lost to Dean again. He says he's the prodigy and everyone thinks it's funny and no sympathy, but he doesn't need any because he has money. He says he knows how to slaughter a pig like Wardlow because he has a butcher, and butcher comes in and does like a weird loud noise thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I liked MJF's intensity. He's a great performer, but he doesn't look like a genius here thinking that 
booking Wardlow in a match with Butcher is somehow going to affect Wardlow, right? That, to me, is not... And I don't know, maybe MJF is intentionally being not too bright here, but it made me laugh. And I did I don't like... I don't even know why he would intentionally... I did like this. Butcher hopping out and mugging for the camera. That was kind of <laughs> funny, kinda but... Funny. He just, like, came... I thought it was funny, like, he was just going, like, just doing an angry face, and then he did that weird noise. I was just like, oh, okay. So, But to think, like, Butcher with no stipulation is going to do what, like, 50 security guards can't do, right, and stop Wardlow is a bit silly for mjf to think but i guess that's part of the character they're yeah, going with right. right now yeah mjf is a smart guy um even especially like in also in kayfabe his guys he's smart so he can't possibly actually think bringing butcher will stop wardlow no um so i don't really understand maybe he has something else planned right like you're gonna face butcher and then we're gonna like attack you with weapons or something he may have a plan but he can't think butcher's gonna yeah, the, take out there has to be some other game plan, but like, what plan feasibly comes out of this? Like, what what good plan starts with Butcher? We're shutting you down with the mid card tag team guy who never wins. That's right. terrifying for Wardlow. And his last match was a boring tables match. It, it was really bad. I added it to my short list of matches I hated this year. Oh, good. It's on the short list. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. I what good, what good plan starts like this? I I don't know. And, so, and I find it weird. He's like affiliate with sterling but then he's also like paying off jose right. and like or andrade or whatever he's just spreading the money around i guess is his character which Sharing is fine the wealth. it's consistent uh next we get marina shafir fk play versus sky blue yeah marina shafir is in tremendous shape she looks very very different from her time in nxt she is jacked to say the least mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how do you use my name sorry um <laughs> uh, it was basically just a squash for your match of the week as sterling is scouting the match right and jade is completely ignoring it on her phone which i thought was a cool little thing like she can't even be bothered to look at the match Mm because she's so convinced that this is just number 30 to her thankfully um sterling is like some like what somewhat adjacent to the monitor so yes thankfully he's not staring directly at it right they went to the wwe school of watching i'm glad they did because if they didn't do that i would have been very disoriented you have to stand to beside the screen and And observe it from there yes or not observe it right you don't want to right um blue goes for a guillotine gets thrown off tossed down by play uh pump handle suplex by play i didn't see that but you told me about it uh and play wins with the triangle choke yeah i I don't know. I didn't really see enough to make much of a judgment. She, It makes sense to have Shafir destroy Sky Blue because the crowd really likes Sky Blue. So if you're trying to build this monster killer, I guess that makes sense. Um, it wasn't much to take away from this, right? There's a chance Shafir is cool. I kind of like that they're presenting her as just the super serious killer. And that is, she's reminding me of um, Mercedes Martinez, honestly, right. like the way she's presented. She did do a couple of cool moves here, but again, it was... And I like the intensity in her interactions with the baddie section. She kept acknowledging them repeatedly, right? But it's too soon to tell if she's any good or not based off what I saw here. I'm hopeful that she is because I kind of like the character she's playing or the presentation of just this serious MMA killer person. Um, And then my question in the moment was, will this really be the only women's match tonight? And the answer? Yes. Yes, it will. Yeah, um, that's the thing. Like the The only women's match on the show is a squash for... Play. between someone debuting and a jobber right right so that is a problem for me we say it every week but what are you doing with this women's division mm-hmm. yeah I what thought... did we say what was the thing i told you that thunder rosa what has been on like three minutes tv for three minutes since winning the title oh well, we'll get there we will 
Um, I thought play looked solid here. They gave her a dominant showing, but the only thing is it doesn't really answer the question if she can go because it was just no. a squash. And she did like a few things that most of which I didn't catch. Um, in fact, a squash, sure, but still leave some questions before the match against Cargill because she ain't doing this to Cargill. And who's going to carry that match, right? Cargill, as much as I like her for... <laughs> she could literally carry. <laughs> for her experience level, she's fine, but it's not like she's a ring general. And no, I don't... she's not carrying anything. Maybe Shafir is, but we didn't see it here. So I'm interested she, in that... I don't that, think she is. Interested in that match because it could be, could be rough or it could be quite good. I really don't know. So I guess we'll find out. Yeah, um... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Strong analysis. Then, yeah, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> that's, what, um, that's what you so tune in for, folks. That is what you tune in for. <laughs> um, next, we have a Hook interview. Uh, he's asked about the first his first Dynamite match next week. Uh, Sterling and Tony Nice uh, come in. Sterling asks why they aren't interviewing Nice. Nice says he worked for success and Hook was handed it. Hook stands Fair. up to intimidate Nice and they leave. Danhausen is also there. Yeah, so Hook again doesn't talk, right? That's kind of the gimmick is he doesn't say anything. I think what Tony Nese says makes sense, right? That Tony Nese has been wrestling forever and is really, really talented and he can't get a shot. Well, Hook can by just being the son of Taz, but I don't think Nese's delivery is very good. That's what's obviously missing from his presentation. Is I don't mind what Sterling's doing. Speaking. It's like a, right. a la Jimmy Hart. That makes Except sense. I feel like it makes more sense because he's like got the whole lawyer gimmick. With me, what always confused me about Jimmy Hart is like, I don't, like, I wish there was more of a reason for why he's managing all these people. I feel like... money. Yeah, but like I mean, like he gets a percentage of whatever they do. That's but all like, it is. But like he's going like babyface. He all of, yeah. I feel like I, at least with DiBiase, he's like paying them off or like, and making money from it. Like he's like, and because he's like a weasel, so he's right. like, you know, also wrestler like protecting more. Like he was making million dollar corporation where Heenan was building a family. To me, like Jimmy Hart's like his stuff was like all over the place. But I feel like I like it with Sterling because he's got like that whole lawyer gimmick kind of underlying. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it kind of makes sense. Like he's like going with Cargill, and he's kind of affiliated with MJF since, like, what, that was introduced, remember, before the Max Mox, so yes. that was, like, what, 2020? Right. And then also now Nice, so I kind of like that he's kind of working in multiple spots, if you will. Yep. Um, Danhausen isn't really working for me, but he's used super sparingly, so I don't really I have a problem with it. I think this is kind of funny, like, I probably would too, but I think it's kind of amazing. And there, there's definitely a market for Danhausen. Some people really, really love him, and I... I don't know, I just, I don't quite get it, but I, I understand people like it. So they're using it as painlessly as possible for me, because it's just him showing up pointing, right, and trying to, I don't know, curse hook, I guess, that isn't right. working. But anyways, yeah, it's fine. I think it's like a funny bit to add to that character, I guess, like he just doesn't care, so it's just like not even really bothering with right. it. Right, he can't, He's hook is just too cool, he's not affected by curses or anything else. Right. Um, yeah, it was fine. I've seen the Rampage segments. This is the same thing Hook keeps doing in interviews, which I think it's good. It's on brand. I guess he'll be facing Nice next week. Could yeah, be interesting, but... It could be. Um, that's where Nice stands. Right. <laughs> that is. Uh, next, we get a Men of the Year promo. Another act I wish we saw more of, mm-hmm. like House of Black. Um, they mock Guevara for getting booed by the fans. They ripped on Sammy and Conti. With Sky saying the only thing getting bigger at Battle of the Belts 2, Electric Boogaloo, is his winning streak. So... I'm. I was thinking like um, um. So I thought it was a solid promo. This should be a solid match. I don't see Guevara winning the title third time though. And I was thinking Battle of the Belts two is already looking better. I think we're all we're getting this, and then Gresham versus Dalton Castle for the ROH title. Yeah, that'll which is be interesting. fun. And then also Rosa, Rose. <laughs> right. Which is not super interesting, but it could be solid. So I think like from a match standpoint, this looks better because last time what you got Baker Riho. Yep. Uh, Starks, Sidal, and uh. 
the interim TNT title match. So, like, I feel like those are fine, but I think this, like, just on the surface looks more interesting, more bigger, yeah. just better. Yeah, some bigger talent, I yeah. think, for sure. Yeah, uh, Paige is great on the mic. He did a good job, but I'm, I find this angle a little bit confusing because America's top team or whatever are clearly heels, but I thought Sammy and Tay Conti came across as really unlikable last week too, right? So it's kind of like, I don't really want Sammy and Conti to win because I don't, like, they're seeming like jerks to me, like heels basically. So I don't quite, I don't feel the way they want me to feel about this match because I generally hate America top team as I'm supposed to. But Sammy and Tay aren't baby faces to me right now. So I don't know. But anyways, Paige is awesome. So, and the match should be good. Yep. Uh, next, we have a plot and surprise. Uh, Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee versus Team Taz. The crowd are quite hot for Lee and Swerve really at the beginning. Are. They get there for Starks, too, because actually this was his hometown. Right. I kind of forgot about that fact. Kind of made the result make more sense because. I'll talk about that later. Yeah, the crowd's um, loving everything. Fall away slam to Swerve by Hobbs. Swerve holds Starks open for that double chop by Lee. So that, I thought that was cool. Um, just because like he hold him open for that because that is one of Lee's like things. So I thought that was cool. And I like the look that Hobbs gave um to Keith Lee when After he hit the fall he, yeah, away slam cool. and just kind of stared down mm-hmm. Lee. That looked cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Lee standing on the apron against the ropes, and Swerve launches off his chest to Moonsault on the Team Taz. I thought that was, that was cool. pretty cool. Yep. And the way like Swerve kind of dances around after he's just. He's a whole thing. He's a charismatic dude, mm-hmm. for sure. Lee leapfrogs over Hobbs, and he knocks into Starks in the corner, and then Lee beals Starks onto Hobbs. That was really cool. Starks keeps getting ping-ponged back and forth from strikes from Lee and Swerve, and then they hit simultaneous strikes from both ends. I thought that was really cool. Looked good, yeah. Starks caught a roll through move by Swerve with a spear, and then took out Lee on the apron in a front flip DDT to Swerve for two. That was awesome. really cool. He, went, he just went like flipped a switch there got like really hot for a sec uh middle rope spear to lee by starks and swerve it's a 450 to starks i think he's still on lee he was to break a pin taz had come out before and then he tripped up lee while the ref wasn't looking hobbs wins off of the distraction with the spine buster yeah i mean this match was very fun it kind of over delivered for me i oh i that's maybe not fair i it on paper looks like it should be good i really enjoyed it the that starks i've had it as a ddt like destroyer kind of thing looked amazing crowd was super into this the pace was really good right this was really quick the entire time there wasn't a lot of rest here there was cool tandem spots some individual moves that were awesome uh, and surprise somewhat surprisingly team taz gets a quality win here i just assumed they wouldn't um so the heels get the tag win here i assume there's going to be singles matches that the baby faces will get their revenge oh, or I, something i was just about to say give me swerve versus starks and they already did that i'm not sure i watched it. to nitpick a little bit i'm not sure i love keith lee being pinned by a spine buster after some of the things other people kicked out of in this match but it's a minor criticism i thought the match itself was really fun yeah i think hobbs could use a better finisher like mm-hmm. i don't mind that I mean, being in his, arsenal, his spine but... buster does look good but it's just not we're not trained to think of a spine buster as a finisher right it's a signature move sure but it doesn't usually it is a signature move and i especially think that because i know that was always i can think of three times rock batista triple h right i was gonna say triple h and batista for sure yeah yeah and i just remember rock because i remember like that his spine was from 2k it specifically sets him up for the people's elbow if you want to do it so yes i feel like it's always it's always like a solid signature move uh even then that's asking a bit much nowadays but i think it's fine in that place yes but pinning as your Keith finish, Lee, I yeah. Don't think, yeah, and Keith Lee too, like right after people are kicking out of the flipping DDT. Things it would have been cool stuff. if like Hobbs had like 
helped him up for to hit Rochambeau or something. Yeah, that was funny. That was funny, yeah. When Starks actually thinks he's going to pick up Keith Lee for the Rochambeau. <laughs> even if he does, like, even just nope. trying to do that is yeah. funny. Um, yeah, this was much better than I thought it had any right to be. Just I thought it would be like a solid TV match, but nothing super special. But I thought it was quite good. They were really hot for Swerve and Lee at the beginning. And as the match progressed, they were also hot for hometown boy Starks. Right. I think Lee and Swerve were actually a really good team here. Like, they had some cool tag offense. Um, in they this did. one, I thought, like, like if they had nothing better to do, why not make them a tag team? I thought they were they were really good here. If that's where there's more room for them right now, then I'd be okay the with tag, it. Yeah, it's not even like the tag division's related to motion. It's just like, I feel like that would be something kind of worth their time at yep. the moment. But they looked good together. Mm-hmm. I thought Hobbs was solid. I thought Starks was really hot at points. Like, he hit the cool spear and just comes with that flipping DDT. Like, okay, just, yep. that just, just came out with that. I think it kind of proves what I kind of mentioned before we watched this was like, I think Team Taz are good. They just need some more legitimacy. Like, Starks and... Hobbs should be a good tag team, I think. Um, I think if you put them in the right situation, I'd be willing to see them or Lee and Swerve, like, at least in a title match. Neither of them have to win, but I feel like yep. I'd be willing to see that. Like, I feel like Team Taz, Jurassic Express, you build that right, sure, I'm there. Um, I think Solid Hometown went for Starks, because at first I saw the result, I was not happy Lee and Swerve lost to Team Taz, which I'm saying, improved the presentation of Team Taz, I wouldn't care as much. And but it was now cheating, it's hometown, too. it makes sense. Yeah, I knew Taz that. Taz tripped but... him, so, right, so... Um, I think now it makes more sense the hometown. The uh, hometown crowd made this hotter, but I think still Team Taz look good here. They're not that bad. They're just not legit. Maybe that's another reason why you need Layla Hirsch in. Right. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Are you Are you telling me we are to believe that you can win in your hometown and you don't have to lose and be buried in your hometown every time you wrestle there? Because another company has trained oh. me that you will lose in an embarrassing fashion in your hometown. So this is new I information. Think you're actually allowed to win. That's crazy. Oh. And it almost makes sense. It almost it's does. Like, it's lit- honest to God. It's like Vince looks at the crowd and with disdain, right? He, he, he looks down on the fans of his own product and is like, I will not give you what you want. You don't know what you want. I know what you want. And it's in- anyways. But yes. So I enjoyed this match. I won't go on a WWE rant here. What's yeah. next? Um, next, we got like another fast Thunder Rosa thing. They bring a Vicky and Nyla bring a cake. Cake ends up on Nyla, to be fair. I thought it'd be on Rosa. Uh, Nyla beats up Rosa. Um, Rosa must be like a really bad promo. She's getting this little time right? constantly being interrupted. Like, she must have done bad in practices or something. Right. Something's really off here. I did not like this. This felt like a WWE segment to me. If this is the only way that you can get an active champion on TV, then I think you need to rethink what you're doing. Um, and it didn't make sense because they'd already insulted Thunder Rosa by saying, like, we were going to put writing on it, but it wasn't worth the money. And then Rose is like, what do you think? I'm stupid. Like, I know you're not. Well, they already insulted you. So clearly they're not here to be nice to you, right? Like, <laughs> It's um, like, it would have been like, if they didn't say something like, what do you think? I'm stupid. Then like, okay. And then, but like. But they've already made it clear we're here not in a friendly capacity. We've already insulted you before. Anyways, and my only hope is that Nyla striking Vicky by accident leads to Vicky being done and getting out of also, here. Also, if you're Nyla, why don't you just throw the cake at her first? And they just don't seem to know what to do with Rosa as champion, right? Like, they were smart enough to go, she should be the next champion, that's the money match with Again, Baker. Again, makes but me now, think they did it too soon. They don't know what they're doing with her. Whether it is the her mic skills or whatever, I don't know, but I did not enjoy this segment. It's not a like making me interested in this match at all. Yeah, um, I, 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 didn't, I don't really care, and it's just like, I should probably, but I don't know. They're just not doing great with this, and I feel like, like I think they should have a women's division, but they should also know what they're doing is, with it. Is Kenny still doing the women's division booking? Because if no he idea. is, they need to. Because they, 
They seem to be able to do everything else well. I can't well. imagine Kenny's doing much. Tag right divisions now. great. Like singles divisions are good. Women's divisions. You just struggling. need to adapt some singles division stuff to women. Like it's right. not that different. It doesn't have to be that different. That's why it's very frustrating because it's not like they don't know how to book stuff. I'm generally happy with almost everything they do, but when it comes to the women's division, they're just not. I don't know. They're they're yeah. missing something. I'm not sure if it's Kenny. I can't imagine Kenny's doing much right now though. But that might be something he could keep doing, right? While he's rehabbing, he could be booking stuff. But yeah. whoever's doing it, they need to step it up a little mm-hmm. bit. For uh, next, we get a quick Cole Hangman package. Um, Cole said he wasn't scared. Uh, Paige said he'll rip Cole from limb from limb, make him swallow his own blood. Uh, Cole said that he'll look himself in the mirror and to say that he the AEW champion is here, baby. I really like this. Both of these guys are awesome on the mic you just believe them as whatever they're saying and they're just natural on the mic so i thought this was a really good little back and forth quick hype package for a match that i already want to see but it's just reminding me that yeah this should be awesome um and i think cole in particular he's just so good at being sincere or being fake sincere right whatever you need out of him acting wise he can do it and hangman's not far behind that's where um, you speak now. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought Cole's part of I really like Cole's promo part. Me of too. It, uh, part of this. Um, I like what he was saying a lot. Um, I think his whole bit was cool. I think Heyman was solid too. I think he was pretty great. But I, I like Cole a lot. As far as these back and forth promos go, um, I thought this one was really good. And was. Next we get Samoa Joe versus Minoru Suzuki for the ROH TV title. Um, there was a really stiff strike exchange off the bat. A very lengthy. At some one point, I'm like, well. "Is this going to be the whole match? Is it just going <laughs> to?" They're be... just going to. Sla- that would be the most interesting match. It's just if, like, they just slap the crap out of each other, and then one of them hits a movement. So that would be really interesting. It seemed like how long can they do this for? Right, <laughs> they were slapping each other in the chest for a long yes. time. After the commercial break, Joe had a crossface on. He's kind of transitioning into a Rings of Saturn because uh, Suzuki was getting out. Uh, Suzuki looked for a power driver, but he releases, shouts one more time, so they <laughs> decide to strike again mm-hmm. uh joe counters a sleeper attempt by suzuki into a side slam he eventually wins with a muscle buster uh sanjay dutton lethal speak lights go for their surprise some tall indian guy i think it's sat named singh yes attacks joe and lethal dutch went in joe's tossing the stairs he squeezes on joe's head while dutton lethal just kick him and and then the lethal injection they are taking a lot of heat for this final segment right because uh, anyways we'll get to it so yeah this was my first note was just a couple of psychos trying to kill each other with chops and strikes for a large part of this and what saves it because i'm sure some people will say that that's boring but i thought their facial expressions were really great which you kind of have to have if you're doing a very largely one-dimensional match like this so i enjoyed the match but i was glad when it moved past all of the chops i did enjoy it but it, it can be a lengthy exchange for sure the crowd was really into this. It was a bit of a dream match for a lot of people. I think just two guys that paper, are really, sure. really stiff workers or can be um, when allowed to be. I thought it was really good, but not a great main event. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Joe having Ring of Honor gold makes sense to me, right? Because of It's his, also the one he hasn't won. Right. His rich history there. And I'm actually enjoying Dutt and Lethal as a heel duo. I don't... The debut was severely underwhelming, right? I don't I, think I really care about them anymore. I literally have no idea who this guy is. Or why he would be a big deal, and when the lights. I thought it was something having to do with the NBA, like he was some draft pick or something. I think he might have been a basketball player, but when the lights go out, the crowd is at this point they expect big things because that's generally what we get, right? So this was super underwhelming for I think everybody involved. This was not a big debut, and it this was the second thing on this show that felt really, really WWE to me, like 
look, he's really, really big. Yeah, so, I was like, so Omos, meet this guy. Right. Be impressed by him. He's super, super big. Um, and I don't think that works with AEW. We need more than that, right? Like you have one of your smallest guys in, in um, Brian Danielson being an absolute killer. So Danielson we're not really, we're not really like size doesn't, isn't as big a thing in AEW. And that's how I like it. So this did nothing for me. The crowd seemed disappointed. Apparently it's something to do with their TV stuff in India right, they're trying, of course. still like, I don't, that is a huge market that every wrestling company is trying to tap into. Right. So I get that, I but. Think. Not in the main event. Oh, not yeah, as the I, final segment on the show. You want to bury this in the middle somewhere, fine. But and not I don't here. even know if you want like a really big guy. Like I don't know, just like if there's someone good from India, sure, bring him in. But I don't really want them to force it like this. So match was good, not great. Um, aftermath was underwhelming for sure. Mm-hmm. I would. Say. Um, it was exactly expect what what you would expect from Samoa Joe versus Minoru Suzuki. Stiff and lengthy strike mm-hmm. strike exchange. Um, but it was certainly entertaining in some weird way to watch them just slap the crap of each other almost endlessly. Uh, kind of ended suddenly, I thought, but um, makes sense for Joe to get the win. Uh, good match. Um, I think it it was good, not great, like you said. Aftermath, I didn't really care for. I just feel it may have been a bit overshadowed by the two c- quite good tag matches uh, yes, we got. Right. Overall thoughts, I guess mm-hmm. we're into right. So. Required a bit of thought for me, like the main event, loved the Jurassic Express and Red Dragon tag match. The JAS match was okay, but not great. Women's match was a squash. So in ring, we ha- I like the opener as well. Some good stuff, but nothing great. Segment wise, uh, there was nothing that really stood out as awesome. I liked the Cole and Paige back and forth. The Malachi promo lost me. Darby Allen video was nice to get back to sort of basics there. Yeah, I, I was happy that kind of went back to his stuff. Yeah, I'm going to say, just sort of looking over things now, this show, I enjoyed it. It wasn't a top-notch show for me. In-ring, it had one match that I really, really loved. I actually really liked the Starks and I was pleasantly surprised Team Taz. by that. That was fun, too. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the B. It almost made it to B+, but I didn't love any of the promo sections so much so i'm gonna give it a very solid b i still enjoyed the show and would highly recommend the red dragon jurassic express match um for i'd even if they recommend checking out it. the team taz match i think it was pretty good so good show but not great it's a very solid b for me yeah um i think this show definitely stepped up in ring action last week i feel like or like on the whole because i feel like last week we had um the, the really good tag match when did we get dax versus punk no, that was a while was a ago. few weeks ago yeah okay right yeah well last week we got like a re- one really good match yep. kind of saved i feel like this time we got like one great match one really good match a couple of good matches like i feel like we book we opened and ended with a couple of like good matches i thought i really like the tag title match uh the team taz match i i actually quite like just Me because too. like i didn't expect to like it that much and then, like, I feel like you kind of were let down with, like, the women's match this week, and then the MJF one was an angle. So I think matches, you had, like, a bunch to to love here. I think, like, promos, there wasn't a lot. Like, I think the cool Hangman one, like you said, I really liked. I think Darby on vignette, sure, was solid. I think another one of my favorite ones was, I guess, Blackpool Combat Club. Right, that was good. Um, right. But other than that, like, there wasn't a lot notable here. I think a B-grade is fair. Like, it was an average one. I think, I think check it out for the ending action, but not much else. Yep. A good show, and we're rarely disappointed with Dynamite at this point, right? It's always worth watching. All right, well, that's going to bring us to the end of that segment and to the beginning of the next one, which is where you're going to tackle some trivia in what we call Off the Top of His Head. (laughs) 
All right, so this week we are going to do part one of WWE Raw trivia. Are you ready? I think some of these might be duplicates, That's but funny. again... I don't know if I've ever heard it like, referred to as WWE Raw. But um, again, it might be a couple of repeat questions, but after 91 weeks of trivia, it's tough to be original. So we'll, I, there might be a couple duplicates, but definitely some of them are new. Anyways, in what year did WWE Raw premiere? And don't forget, I have 1993. options for you if you need them. January. You are correct. Don't need the options. How many nations have hosted live broadcasts of WWE Raw? That is hard. Options. I guess you need options. 10, 9, 8, 7. 9? No. 10? Correct. Take the biggest number, obviously. <laughs> more is always more. WWE, here's a really hard one. Are you ready? Mm. Is a blank show. Here are your options. Annual, daily, weekly, monthly. Weekly. How could you possibly know? Why do you know that? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes you just got to guess. True or false, the first ever WWE heavyweight champion was signed to the WWE Raw roster. What? The first ever WWE heavyweight champion was signed to the WWE Raw roster. I don't have any details on question? that. Like, true or false? like a statement. False. It is true. I don't know who it was or any details. It doesn't give me that. It doesn't even sound like a question. It just sounds like a statement. It was, but is the statement true or false? I don't know. It was true. It's so unspecific. True or false. The WWE Raw is the longest running weekly episodic show (laughs) in United States history. True, yes, they, because they use that oh exact God. phrasing constantly. That that Michael Cole phrase is like engraved oh my, in my head. Vintage Michael Cole, as they say. <laughs> in 2019, God, the, he's on now. WWE Raw got nominated for the TV Show of the Year award. Oh, why? Did they receive the award? Probably not. So you're going to say no? No. You are correct. They did not. <laughs> um, which African country has hosted a live broadcast of WWE Raw? I don't know. Options? Options, yes. Nigeria, Ghana, Sierra Leone, South Africa. Ghana. It is South Africa. Damn, these are hard. South Africa. What? Here's, so that impossible one followed by this one. Ready? Really hard. What color serves as a signature color for raw? Red. Correct. I was about to say purple. Here's another really hard one. Because, oh my, as if they need to give you options for this one. WWE, which, sorry, which WWE superstar died during an in-ring stunt during a recording of an episode of raw oh uh wait. Who, who could it be what? why are you thinking about it who died during an in-ring stunt oh there you go why are you what that was on that was on raw was it i thought it was, it was on a pay-per-view it was that's why i was confused was the answer on heart yeah but that was on a pay-per-view. Well, nobody, nobody else died, right? It was like Unforgiven. Right. No, it was Over was, the Edge. 99. I was watching it, and I couldn't believe. Yeah, I, it was a pay-per-view, because like, they just carried on after. Right. I was vividly remember watching it in my friend Owen's house, actually. And Owen Hart <laughs> dies, coincidentally <laughs> enough. Yes, so that is a faulty question. That's but I figured weird. you'd know, because nobody else has died. No, and so I knew he was on a, post, on a, on a pay-per-view. So I was, right. oh, that's what I was trying to think. I was like, what? Which WWE stu- superstar has the most wins on Raw? And I have Undertaker. options if you would like. Triple H. It is not Undertaker. Do you want options? Yeah. Edge, Kane, Cena, Flair. Cena. No. Flair. No. Edge. No. Kane. <laughs> yes. Very good. On what day of the week do episodes of Raw air? Oh. Man, um, 
these, yesterday. These go back between really hard Monday. and really easy. Yes, Monday's correct. I feel I swear they did like Tuesday once or something. On which of these famous American networks did WWE Raw premiere? Do you want the options? Sure. TNN, USA, Spike, ESPN. Spike. No. TNN. No. Other thing. USA Network. You're not doing well so on they this. Circle back, huh? True or false? The early episodes of Raw were recorded on the seventh floor of the Manhattan Center in New York City. True. True. I know, I know it was in the Manhattan question. Center, so. We'll do two more because there's 30, so we'll hit these next week. I, I find the consistency. Like, they should build from easy to hard, not back. Anyways. Yeah, for sure. The highest rated Monday Night Raw episode took place on May 10th, 1999 and featured a tag team match between who? Uh, options. Options. Vince, uh, sorry, Edge, Christian, and Chris Jericho versus Flair, Triple H, and Batista. Vince, The Rock, and Stone Cold versus Shane, Triple H, and Undertaker. That one. It is correct. It is yeah. that one. Nice. How, how'd you know just when you heard the... And it just sounded right yeah. for 99. Final one for today. The highest rated segment on WWE Monday Night Raw was hosted by which of these superstars? Okay. Options? Mm-hmm. The Miz, Kevin Owens, Stone Cold, Mick Foley. Stone Cold. No. Uh, McFoley. Correct. I don't know. I wish they'd give details of like what segment it was after the question. Yeah. But maybe, anyways, like, you did all right. I find some of those questions. Some of them are like, it's so weird. Why would people know them? Some of them, right? But anyways, you did fairly well. Um, that's going to lead us back into talking about some more wrestling. And we'll take a quick look at this week's. we back to reviewing WWE NXT UK. So this show started with a sort of quick reminder and mention of the main event tonight, which is Tao Man taking on A-Kid, and then it went right into Mark and Joe Coffey taking on Dave Mastiff and Jack Stars in a tag team match, and commentary mentioned the winner of this possibly putting themselves into title contention, so I guess that's the sort of... That's something that they can just always say. The the stakes they're putting on this since there aren't any, right, basically? Yeah, I feel like that's like what you could call cheap stakes. Right, stretching to (laughs) find some stakes. Uh, Mastiff overpowers Joe Coffey early on, but for some reason, I didn't understand this, he just tags out, and then immediately the Coffees take control of Jack Stars, right? So Mastiff wasn't in any trouble, hadn't taken any damage, right. and tags out so that Stars can get beaten on for <laughs> right. quite a while. So Stars eventually gets a flurry, tags back out, then Mastiff gets control of Coffee. Stars and Mastiff isolate Joe Coffey, make quick tags, hit some tandem offense. Obviously an eventual tag to Mark Coffey, who dominates Jack Stars again. Things break down near the end. Um, Joe makes a blind tag as Mark goes for a pinfall. Uh, the time it takes um, sorry, Joe and Mark to get out of the ring then allows Jack Stars to hit a powerbomb on Joe Coffey and pick up somewhat of the surprising win here. So I think the idea, and you pointed out too, like, wouldn't Mark Coffey notice the blind tag? Because they're selling dissension between yeah. the Coffees, right? So Joe blind tags Mark. It, like... And Mark's going for a pinfall, but the pinfall can't count because he's not the legal man. So Mark's acting like he didn't know he got tagged when the blind tag was getting slapped on the back by your brother, right? right. So um, the Coffees then argue after the match. Again, I think we're getting some dissension. Wolfgang comes out to sort of separate the two and keep the peace. I don't know. I thought this was a solid match. Pretty basic stuff. Never really found that extra gear, right? It was um, double teaming and then tags for sort of hot tags if you will sort of thing nothing special here I, I didn't think it was bad but uh it wasn't amazing either i think the heat the goal here was to 
further the dissension between the Coffee Brothers. So I guess they did that. I don't know how interesting I interested I am in it. And again, how does Mark not feel his brother slap him on the blind tag? So the idea of the dissension didn't make a ton of sense, but I guess I get what they're trying to do. I thought it was a good start to the show, but not amazing. What about you? Yeah, um, I thought it was okay. I think t- the dissension between the brothers is kind of odd. Yeah. But, um, and it's kind of like weird. I guess, like, I feel like it's like teaming them together here just to to start the. T- I don't know. It felt like a little random to me, I guess, like, because they keep failing. And, like, I guess Joe's mad because he's the only boy who can't get a title. I, and I, I feel like I, I could be wrong, but I feel like they've gone down this road already in UK. Like, I'd have to double check, but I feel like they've already, like, fought and got back together i could be wrong though but anyways. i don't think so but maybe they then recap the main event from last week which we still haven't checked out unfortunately between strong and dragonov where dragonov retained the title um the highlight package made the match look pretty good i haven't heard anything about it or watched yeah. it yet I, I hope to go back and watch it but at this point i may not because it's now so far back but um yeah we sort of missed it but we're back to uk now we then get footage of Ilya Dragunov being interviewed after that match from last week. Roderick Strong walks up and tells Dragunov that he is in fact special and they shake hands and show some respect. And then the disrespectful Jordan Devlin shows up, says that even though Dragunov has the title, Devlin is the Irish H, uh, sorry, Irish ace. So incredibly quick seem to be just to show us who's involved in the current title picture. I don't know, like... Obviously, you've got Roddy and Dragunov are baby faces and respect each other, and then Devlin's the heel who has no respect for anyone. I guess was what we're. Supposed I must to say, be. he looks cool wearing the jacket all the time. Devlin, yeah, yeah, he's cool. I like so Bella. I'm hoping that that's the uh, another Devlin Dragunov match would be fine by me. Maybe with people in the. Yeah, crowd I would feel be like nice. maybe add something else to the same, or just yeah, make or a it triple was, threat coming for all three, maybe with people and just I don't know, because like I think like last time it was like less wrestling, more cool plunder stuff, and yeah, yeah. I, you could throw in strong too. I think that'd be kind of cool. I think I, I maybe that's well, they'll go. That'd be a cool match. I'd watch it. Yeah, that'd be cool. I, yeah, I would definitely watch. It. I think that'd be cool. Um, if they did takeovers, that'd be cool for them. But yeah, that's they a good don't. Idea. That so. could be when they bring to North America or something, right? I don't. Want they them do that to. sometimes. I'd rather them not now. Right. Um, Sam Gradwell, Kenny Williams kind of get a back and forth package here. Um, Kenny wants to shut Gradwell's big mouth. Gradwell then talks about growing up poor, um, et cetera, et cetera. And he's going to bring the streets to Williams in a back alley brawl is the stipulation for this. I don't know what that is. I think it'll just be no DQ basically, right? Or Or they're literally in a back alley. Maybe. I don't know. Or they just fight backstage and they're the oh it'd be funny if like the only place they're not allowed is the ring it'll be like a falls count anywhere or something i assume but yeah I guess and they, we'll maybe see. they somehow fight to a back alley or the ring is in a back alley it's Ooh. like the street fight from AEW. could be uh william says gradwell's made the greatest mistake of his life they go on a little bit more and that match will be next week i thought this was actually an effective segment i obviously i like gradwell going back and telling some of his backstory if it is in fact true or not doesn't really matter it sounded good I'm not super interested in the feud, but at least we got a stipulation that'll make the match feel a bit different, I guess, and maybe important. I thought they sounded good here. I'm just not that interested in the... I know this has been somewhat of a lingering feud, but I'm not that hot on it, are you? I'm very interested in it, because he <laughs> cut off a lot of hair, man. So That one, he, that two inches of hair, shaved gone. him. 
Right. Saved him. He's a different man now. He is a different man. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really care about this. I guess that's an, a stipulation, so that makes it interesting. Yeah, it's something, right? It is a, in the a segment was solid. In a different but, match type, right? Too. At least it's different. I feel like they really like to have no DQ matches, but they just like they're renamed like right. a TNA, except, exactly. Except less convoluted. Like I feel like at least they're just renamed. They're not like renaming it and adding some convoluted thing to it. Like so, I mean, could be interesting. I just don't care that much. The segment was fine. I hope the match is good. because yeah. Why not? Um, then I think a segment we'll probably disagree on. Mako Satomura makes her way to the ring, and we get a replay of Isla Dawn losing the match, uh, but stealing the championship. Mako says very little. She basically calls out Isla right away, wants Isla to bring the title with her. So Isla comes out just laughing maniacally as eerie music is playing and like the camera shifts. Snow on the Tron or some looks kind of like snow, I guess. I don't know. Um, and she says she will hand back the title on one condition, that she gets a rematch under her own chaotic rules, whatever that means. She lays the title at Mako's feet. Mako tells Isla that she only had to ask for a match, and then Isla spits Miss into Mako's face. Isla says something about a world of darkness, so I don't know if that's her match stipulation. I feel like it might be, because I think commentary repeated it. So world of darkness, and then she leaves. Um, so... Overall, I like this, but uh, again, I'm not a big fan of WWE's reliance on the I stole your property, so give me a match to get it back. Right? Yeah, like, I, that's it's basically, such a ridiculous thing. It is. I mean, in theory, it makes sense, but like, I feel like then also like what she gives her the it title back. It doesn't make when... sense because if there's some sort of authority figure, they should be like, no, give her the belt okay, back. Okay, so then it makes sense just... in NXT 2.0. Right, yeah, because there is no authority well, there. Well, here they have johnny Sid saint Scala. and then sid scala well sid scala is like the assistant to the general manager but like when's the last time we've seen johnny saint so why not just say sid scala is the general manager basically swear. Like, he has all the power like it's just johnny saint because johnny saint's a name in the uk i guess like it I don't, reminds me I don't of a show know. that i actually want you to check out with me um w1a where you you never see the big big boss it's always the next person underneath who's right. it's kind of feels like that I, I do think isla dawn's doing a good job with her creepy unhinged character a lot better than something similar which was dakota kai on 2.0 which i thought just came out of nowhere and wasn't doing anything for me so it feels like they're sort of forced to go back to this pairing of dawn and mako because who else is there right for mako with davenport right. being hurt and then we'll i'll talk about it later but i feel like there's just a cluster of women who are enhancement talent or barely more and then there's a huge gap Till you get to like Isla Dawn and Davenport, and then a pretty significant. I don't even feel like Isla Dawn feels like I feel like she's definitely above enhancement talent and everything, but I don't even feel like like I don't see her winning. No, and that's what I mean. There's a right? and like, then there's a significant gap between Davenport could I guess Dawn Davenport and Mako. I think like I don't know who is realistically gonna beat Mako at this right, point. Right, I feel like Kaylee Ray and Mako were like on the same level for sure, and then now I'm just like who beats Mako. Now, after that, we do get someone they're trying to elevate to that level, whether you think it's working or not, and that's Amal, right? So she is mad and warns Eliza Alexander and, Ooh, Zaya, yeah. and Zaya Brookside that she is still full of rage, okay? So that was just a little well, brief Amal nice. being angry. Mm -hmm. um, and then we get a flash into the Gallus locker room for a second, and they're still arguing, and then the door is just closed quickly, right? So not really much to say there. We then get Mark Andrews. I thought this pairing was sort of out of nowhere, right? Yeah, I think it's because he saved him from an attack. I think it was last. Is that it was what it whatever. Was? We didn't see it. We missed it, right? So it could make more sense, and that's sort of what I have here too. But anyways, he informs us that is Mark Andrews that he and Wild Boar have had a 15-year friendship, and the only time that they weren't together is when Eddie Dennis got in Wild Boar's head. 
Wild Boar starts like just freaking out super intense here. Andrews sort of calms him down, and he is there to even the odds for Wild Boar. So I enjoy Wild Boar's like insane energy, like he is basically almost an animal, I guess is the idea. I don't know about him being paired with Andrews, because I'm not a huge fan of Mark Andrews, and they've sort of tried a whole bunch of things with him that don't seem to work or stick. Um, I guess there's a bit of backstory there, saying they're 15-year friends, and I guess the idea will be that Mark Andrews is the one who can kind of keep Boar under control and keep him calm in a babyface way, unlike Dennis, who is doing it in a heel way, so I guess we'll see where it goes, but it seems like an odd pairing to me, but I thought the promo was fine. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was fine. I think, yeah, it's definitely like you have the hot-headed one, and then you have uh, Mark Andrews, um, the calm-headed one. It's like the odd couple. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's another Classic. odd couple tag team. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's kind of like he just shows Boar at the end a lot. <laughs> um, but I think it's okay. I think, I guess, they all face T-Bone and... Um, uh, Primate? Primate. There right. it is. I can't think of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming that's what we'll get. Uh, we then get... Um, a singles match, it's Angel Hayes taking on Eliza Alexander. So we missed it in our couple weeks away from UK. Eliza Alexander is the person that Zaya Brookside was referring to that she was bringing in to support her. So I know nothing about Eliza Alexander, hadn't heard of her or seen her since my first time seeing her. Always interested to see new people. Hayes briefly gets some offense to start and then Alexander quickly takes over. I, I, my note, this isn't nice. The action is slow and basic and pretty boring. As Alexander walks around and hits simple stuff, there was a lot of her like, <laughs> I'm super dominant, so I have time to walk around in between my moves, right? Which is not my favorite. But Hayes gets in one final flurry, hits a sling blade for a near fall. And then we get a hair pull, a clothesline, and actually I thought the running knee to the side of the head by Alexander looks pretty good. And she picked up the win here. Um, she looked aggressive, I guess, and the finishing knee strike looked good, but this match wasn't anything to write home about. And this is more of the women piled in this area, right? Where they're not quite enhancement talent, but they're nowhere near being featured either. It's yeah, just another it's like, woman it's just in like, that. There's like a lot of like, there's these women like who are fighting like these feuds, like Brookside and them all. Like they're so incredibly clearly below And Amelia McKenzie and like a whole bunch right, of them, and right? And like, it's not even like, it feels like there's such a glass ceiling thing. Like it doesn't even feel like they're just not ready. It, there doesn't feel like upward mobility right now. Right. They're just not quite right. ready to move. And they, none of them really have any discernible personality at this point. So that's something mm -hmm. they need to figure out. Like they're trying with them all, which is fine. Um, but they need to start elevating a few other women, I think. Right. So Amelia McKenzie, speak of the devil. She's backstage. She's been training hard and cites Mako Satomura as an influence on her. Stevie Turner. There's another example of this yeah. same tier of women. Um, she interrupts and suggests that Mako doesn't see Mackenzie as a threat. Um, so that's offensive, I guess. And this is where, in my notes, I talk about it. They have a bunch of women at the same level, which is pretty low on the card. And they're just trying to figure out who they can elevate. And they have plans for Amal and Isla Dawn, but the rest of the roster feels like enhancement talent or just slightly better than that. Um, I don't blame them for trying to see what they have with the less experienced women, but they need to get some of them moving up the card, I think, right? right. Same thing I was already saying. Uh, Mustache Mountain, we get a segment with highlights mixed in with them speaking. So Seven is still insisting they have to keep the title. So this is his thing. He's willing to do whatever it takes, and Bait really isn't on board for that. So they recap in detail the whole situation with Carter and Smith. Carter and Smith losing the first tag opportunity, then having to beat each of Mustache Mountain in singles masters to get a rematch, but they didn't. Um, each team gets to say their piece. 
They each think they will win, obviously. Smith and Carter are questioning bait a little bit. They're sort of priming the pump on this whole how do you feel about having a partner that's willing to take shortcuts and cheat to win sort of thing because that is not part of Bates' character at all, right? right? He's the Zen guy who does everything right. Um, I thought the segment was effective, actually. It recapped their lengthy story, kept things kind of interesting, and they're really leaning into the Seven's willing to cheat and Bait isn't. So I imagine the payoff is Smith and Carter may actually win the titles and then Bait and Seven kind of spin off into a feud on their own, which would be fine. And I, I mean... Are Smith and Carter amazing? I think they're pretty good in the ring and good enough for them to have the UK tag title. So I feel like that's where it's going. What about you? Yeah, I could see it going either way. I mean, they could, they could like, I don't know, keep bait and seven going because they'll just win by any means necessary. And then maybe like they tease dissension throughout more title matches. But I could also see it this being the end point right here. I think, I think, so I think the back and forth promo was good though. Yep, it was. Uh, then we get the main event, which is Tailman taking on A Kid. And the rest of D Familia are there with Teo Man, that is Dempsey and Rohan Raja, right? Um, we get holds and counters and like reversing pinfall attempts early on. And then we get an impressive arm drag kip kip up drop kick segment from a our sequence, sorry, from A Kid. We get a ref distraction by Dempsey. That allows Raja on the other side to grab A Kid's ankle long enough for Teo Man to hit a drop kick and take control of the match again. So Taman tries to keep A-Kid down with kind of, I find it interesting, his slow, methodical, somewhat unorthodox offense that I quite enjoy. We get a huge, I remember I asked you and you didn't know what to call it either, something into an almost like sit-out powerbomb kind of thing that looked right. really cool. I don't know what it was, but... I don't remember exactly. And then a brain buster onto the knee by Taman also looked cool. Um, sliding forearm to the side of A-Kid's head for a near fall. Tailman attempts some sort of handspring move, but A-Kid catches him in a sleeper hold, then quickly transitions into an armbar I thought looked good. Tailman goes for the sliding ar forearm on the floor. A-Kid moves, and Tailman crashes into the steps. A-Kid then takes out the rest of D-Familia, but Tailman suplexes A-Kid onto the apron. And then Tailman hits this crazy flipping DDT thing that looked awesome for the win, and A-Kid took it amazingly vertical right like yeah it, the, it was great. like a front it was like stark's front flip dt except it was an inverted version right so it and it looked and, awesome yeah it was I'm like why have i not seen this definition before? of spiking him yeah it looked great um i really like this match a kid was clearly his job was to put teo man over before a kid heads to america i mean he's already there obviously this is recorded i would imagine a while ago i thought teo man ended up looking really great in this he kept it simple but relentless for most of the match. And then near the end, right, he started hitting some more impressive high-impact stuff. A-Kid was fine too, but it felt to me like this was a showcase for Teo Man. And I, I thought he looked really good. Um, all three members of D-Familia have won their most recent match, right? And this is what we were talking about like a month or two ago where we think they're cool, but they need to start winning, right? And now all three of them, because they talked about it. Now you see another trio's win, I think. Have won their most or recent matches. So I could use some more vignettes and speaking segments to sort of add some depth to these I guys. I could also use a new theme. But I, yes, I like the faction, and I like Teo Man a lot. I really enjoyed this match, actually. You? Yeah, I thought it was good. I like. I think A-Kid's pretty good. I mean, I think it he was is. a little different from him versus Dempsey, but I think I think it was good. Like, he's kind of running through... Familia, yes, losing, I guess, but still, I thought that DDT move was really interesting. Um, I was a good one for Tao Man. I think he's interesting, so I think, like you said, it's good that they're finally getting wins. I feel like now they need to, they should do this with Team Taz. Like this is the kind of thing you need to do, with Team Taz. Like clearly, it's like if you can rebuild Familia slowly on a yes. one hour show, I feel like that AEW could do that, and especially with them That's when they have Rampage. Point. Like I feel like they could start rebuilding Team Taz, and then like 
I think that'll help them. But I think this is good. I, I hope we get more for D-Familiar, like another tag match or something. Or, like, a trios match. I don't know who fe- feasibly they could take on in a trios match. Cause I feel like Gallus is, like, a main And they're about face to break action, apart, right? it seems like, maybe, too. And, like, you have Symbiosis, but they're heals. Um, like, you don't really have any other factions. So, I guess, like, you'd have to, like, cobble together a single star. And maybe you go... I guess Mastiff and Stars and A Kid or something like Could that. Be. You know what I mean? Like if A Kid's there anymore, right? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, I think it's a solid main event. Uh, Me too. Probably I liked the best it. One on the card. Yeah. Uh, overall thoughts. I mostly enjoyed this show. I really enjoyed the main event. Thought the opening tag match was solid, but not great. Women's match was there. It wasn't anything special. A kind of the low point of wrestling wise for me. Like the Isla Dawn stuff. Like the Mustache Mountain Smith and Carter stuff as well. Even the Gradwell Williams was interesting, despite me not loving the feud that much. I thought the promo segment was good. So I gave it a B, this show. A solid B. Um, could be better, but I thought it was good. It went by pretty quickly. Didn't waste my time. Yeah, I think the opener was solid. Um, I feel like the dissension's a little random, but it's okay. I think the women's match was definitely that little point that you mentioned. And then I think the main event was pretty good. Um, I think the Mustache Mountain, Ashton Smith, Carter segment, that was pretty good. Um, I think the Dragon of Strong thing was fine. Um, the Gradwell Williams segment was solid. I thought the Isla Dawn Sadamora one was okay. Yeah. Um, I think generally an average show. I think a B is fair. I might go like a lower end B, but still good. Nice. All right. Well, that's gonna bring us into our next section, which we'll talk about other wrestling stuff we watched this week, and we call that any other wrestling business. All right, so we're going to talk about some NXT 2.0 first and then wrap it up with some Impact Wrestling because I actually found time to watch that last night. I'll try and go quickly through both of them. A little bit of more detail for NXT because I know you love to hear how much I love it. Yes. So it starts with a recap of Braun Breaker retaining the NXT title against Gunther last week. I called him Gunther. That might be the first time. No. It's kind of because now the mystique of Walter's gone, so he doesn't feel like Walter anymore. So it's easier to call him Gunther. You know what I mean? Because he's not really Walter. Anyways. Um, and then we also got a recap of Joe Gacy and Harlan kidnapping Rick Steiner, obviously, to end that. So the, ma- the show opens with Solo Sokoa taking on Cameron Grimes for the North American Championship. And Grimes ends up retaining the title with the cave-in in 13 minutes. So it started out kind of slow with a bunch of lengthy submissions. We had a handshake rematch, uh, mid-match just to show us that they're both baby faces, I guess. Grimes then says that Sokoa's bloodline can kiss his ass at one point. His so grits. He actually didn't say grits uh-huh. this time. Um, but that fires Sokoa up. And commentary then shortly after also ref- refers to gold being in Sokoa's bloodline. So we're getting these little hints and breadcrumbs of the bloodline bloodline thing. So I imagine they have plans for Sokoa possibly to join main roster as a bloodline guy. But anyways. We do get a nice counter of a cave-in attempt into a Samoan drop by Sokoa for a near fall. Trick Williams runs in, but takes a splash off the apron to the floor from Sokoa, but that distraction is enough for Sokoa to get immediately hit with the cave-in when he comes back to the ring. So then Trick and Carmelo Hayes attack Grimes after the match. Sokoa comes out for the save, but he gets taken out as well. Hayes and Williams continue the beat down of Grimes, sort of to end this. I thought it was a solid, um, definitely a good opener by NXT standards at this point. I think Sokoa is basic, but effective. Like, I don't want to say basic like he's bad, but um, he's pretty basic offense, but it kind of works for him, right? It's, he's just straight ahead, um, basic like street fighter kind of guy. 
And Grimes is generally great and worked well here to make Sokoa look good. And I think this is why Grimes is kind of perfect for this spot and this championship, right? He can help younger talent look good while defending his championship, even if it's obviously here a babyface versus babyface and it still kind of worked, right? Um, I kind of like the attack afterward because I think Carmelo Hayes needs to sort of establish himself as a heel because the crowd... He's kind of doing that cool heel thing where the crowd likes him and cheers for him, right? So he needs to do some clear heel shenanigans like this to get the crowd back to booing him as they're supposed to. Because he's cool, and he's coming across as cool, so he needs to sort of reinforce his heel status, if you will. Uh, commentary announced a gauntlet match for the vacated tag team titles. Why are the titles vacated? Do you know? Because uh, they certainly aren't going to tell us. They mentioned they're I vacated. Know. I wish they knew. Personally, I'm looking for an answer. Right. Uh, Grayson Waller interrupts, says that Sanga is mad since they should have been given the titles instead of having to win this gauntlet match. They're a real tag team. Of course, as of last week. And Sanga will defeat everyone while Waller is just going to stand on the apron because his arm is still in a sling from that spot with the ladder. So the idea is they're going to win the gauntlet match with just Sanga killing everyone while Waller stands there. Uh, we get a video on Pretty Deadly attacking the Creed brothers again last week. The Creed say they're going to get revenge and the titles tonight. Um, they all got a chance to speak briefly. Bivens, as always, is great. The other two, especially Julius, I find, are still a bit rough. But they're not asked to do too much. And honestly, it is developmental, right? So this doesn't bother me. They're not cutting a 10-minute promo in the ring. They're saying a few lines and being bolstered by Bivens. So it kind of still works for me. The Creed's are good. Uh, it's too bad they're in a company that hates tag teams because they're cool. Earlier in the day, the Creeds are shown they got like the big bingo hopper to draw their number for the gauntlet and they're happy with it and wouldn't want it any other way, I think is what they say. So we're not revealed what their entrance number is. We just know they're happy about it. So Braun Breaker heads to the ring to speak uh, and I'm just like, again, is this really necessary? He had a lengthy in-ring promo last week. But I guess he has to respond to Gacy kidnapping his father. So here we go. He says, randomly here, Rick is at home safe. Offers no explanation as to how they got Rick Steiner free. But Rick Steiner is free of his kidnapping and is now safe at home. He calls out Joe Gacy, challenges him to come to the ring. Gacy responds on the Tron as he's standing uh, behind a fire sort of in with the forest as a backdrop. No Harlan beside him, interestingly enough here. He, he lets us know that he set Rick Steiner free, because that's what you do when you kidnap somebody, I guess. Right. You just set them free. I mean, that's a new one. You could kidnap someone's dad to get a title match and say, take the title. <laughs> but no, hard. so he kept something more valuable. He set Rick free, but kept his Hall of Fame ring. Ooh. So he tries really hard. It's not even like, no, it's different if like Rick's been a Hall of Famer for years. Right, it's brand he new. He got inducted this year it's almost like did they induct him this just month. to have a storyline <gasps> maybe they did because they could just induct scott steiner right so gacy tries really hard here to convince us that this ring has is something super special and then he drops it into the fire <gasps> gasp <gasps> it's probably a replica so this is making not much sense to me so Braun's father is abducted right and set free but now we're supposed to be upset about the ring, right? Like, wouldn't you just be like, oh my god, I don't care about the ring, my dad is safe, right? But no, the ring is supposed to, like, be this trigger for Braun somehow. You took my dad's ring. And then, so the other thing is, Braun was in the ring for this, then it, this is on the Tron, and you expect, okay, we're gonna go back to Braun in the ring, and he's gonna have some response. Nope, nothing. <laughs> so this segment is over, and we move on. So... 
I don't know what was going on here. I wasn't a big fan. The ring does not seem like that important of an item to me to be extending this feud over, but I don't know. Well, the, it's a Hall of Fame ring, it, buddy. Now it's in the fire. What are you going to do? Well, mm-hmm. we'll come back to it. We'll find out what happens to that ring later. Don't you worry. We get a recap of Toxic Attraction winning the women's tag team titles last week. And then Toxic Attraction are briefly talking to Mackenzie. They talk about they're all champions again, and Mandy will beat Dakota Kai tonight. Jane and Gigi said nothing, so this was automatically better than your normal <laughs> Toxic. It's almost like they're like, we've given you a lot of time to talk, and you're both terrible. So maybe they've actually realized it and stopped them from speaking. But again, this segment didn't accomplish anything. It's just like, yep, we've got all the belts again. Okay, cool. We knew that. But anyways, Von Wagner attacks Jacket Time backstage. Um, so he destroys Kushida and Jiro. Stone gets in the ring and says it looks like there'll be no match because they killed both of them. Um, great. Kushida is now officially a joke, right? And that's kind of a shame. So then Stone is in the ring after a commercial break saying the match is off because Wagner killed Jacket Time backstage and we're never going to see them again except for two seconds later when Ikamanjiro runs out. He's furious, and instead of the Wagner-Kushida match, we get a Wagner-Jiro match. And how do you think that one went? Jiro kicked his what's ass. Your, what's your guess and how long this match Jiro was? Jiro kicked his ass in 30 seconds. Not 30 seconds. Wagner dominates early. Jiro gets a flurry in the middle. Stone provides a distraction. Wagner wins with a boot and his angle slam DVD, whatever, I don't even know what it is, finisher in? Uh, under three minutes. Correct. After the match, Stone wants Wagner to continue the beat down to Jiro, but Wagner is staring at the blonde woman whose name I forget. Do you remember? Sophia uh, Cromwell. That's ah, close enough. Yeah. Um, so she's there. She points at she points and Wagner further destroys Jiro. So I think the point is that he's not really listening to Stone, but he's listening to her because they gave the same order. He ignored it from Stone and followed it from her. But anyways, so he got Stone as, as his manager because they just, that's one of my complaints, right? So I imagine the people in control love Wagner. He's a big power guy, but he does nothing for me at this point. He kind of lacks any sort of charisma. Nothing he does is very special. And it feels like Stone, again, is just going to be pushed aside, right? I assume that this woman will control Wagner. But to be honest, I don't really care either way. So I, I didn't put much thought into a response to it. I just don't have any desire to watch anything involving Von Wagner. I'd be totally fine with him being pushed up to the main roster just to get rid of him on the show I watch because he's anti-charisma as far as I can tell. Mackenzie sits down with Nikita Lyons. Lyons gets out a few generic lines before Lash comes in and hits like a pump kick to her and kicks her right out of her chair and starts yelling at her, which I actually thought looked kind of cool. Obviously, I don't care about this feud. I don't want to see another match between the two, but the pump kick looked good, and this was really quick. Pretty Deadly tell us they came to America to take over, and they wanted to get attention by going after the Creeds first. I feel Um, like of all the gimmicks in NXT UK, they're probably more equipped for NXT 2.0. I I feel like their gimmick would just be dumbed down a bit, but I feel like they would change the least. Especially when you're considering you can just swap them in for Imperium, right? You just had your European True. heel tag team leave, and now you bring in a, <laughs> a different one, right? <laughs> Same thing. Um, they say that they will be the first to win the tag titles in their first match. Uh, then we get a video of them earlier That's in the day one. drawing their number from the hopper, and they're happy about their spot in this as well. 
Uh, honestly, these two have come a long way. They're really easy to dislike in all the right ways. They're a good heel tag team. They're much better in mm-hmm. the ring. They're they're a pretty polished act at this point. Um, which... Sorry to do this on air, but Mother would like to know if you want a pizza slice. Sure. Okay. I'll have the meat one. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I'm happy that they're here in NXT since, again, they lost that quality team in Imperium and Pretty Deadly can like slide right into that role. A little bit different. They're a little more... I don't know if comedic's the right word, but like ridiculous heels, you know what I mean? Especially when you consider their ring gear and stuff that I quite enjoy. So anyways, we get next Dakota Kai taking on Mandy Rose for the NXT Women's Championship. So the placement of this match on the card immediately leads me to believe there will not be a title change, which is too bad. I was really hoping Dakota would get a chance. Mandy isn't doing much for this title, I don't think, and Dakota deserves a run before her time ends in NXT, but I don't think this will be it. Mandy's brawling early on looks pretty weak to me. We get an awkward-looking crucifix pinfall attempt by Kai. We get a crossbody off the top to all of the toxic attraction out on the floor. We get a bad chiropractor, which is a shame because I like that move, but it even got the old didn't get all of it from Wade (laughs) Barrett, so you know it wasn't very good. We get a distraction from JC Jane on the apron, a running knee by Rose, who picks up the win. I'm not calling it a V-trigger. It's a running knee. Looks good, though. Uh, She picks up the win in about 10 minutes. Wendy Chu comes out. Uh, shoots toxic attraction with super soakers now let me ask you if you were to stand up if you were to stand up right now and i shot you with the water gun would you fall down and like slip and slide all over the place probably right uh especially if you shot my feet right like so ridiculous they look it looks so stupid cartoonish it's different like when um angler austin like you're like spraying them with like a freaking hose or a blood bath because it's all over the mat and it's viscous liquid that's slippery (laughs) red viscous but like being shot with a water gun does not cause you to fall down in my experience but anyways i thought this was stupid um this match was disappointing they seemed out of sync early and i don't want to speculate but i don't know if dakota kai is lacking motivation who could blame her (laughs) exactly um, or lacking quality opponents but she has not looked as good as she usually does to me at one point she was one of my favorite women wrestlers anywhere yeah um, i remember like when she felt really her. primed for the title a yes, couple times she was great i had trouble getting into this match the crowd seemed to feel the same way i thought um considering this was for a major title in nxt it was not a good match i didn't think i was disappointed joe gacy hates social media says some more cryptic stuff he's the only one that can guide nxt uh, Braun is too emotional and easy to manipulate. He's already made Braun angry and now helpless. He pulls the ring out of the fire with tongs and puts it on his finger. So the point is he can bear this immense pain, which I thought was funny because the whole point is you're going to put it on your finger despite the pain, but you pick it up with tongs. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyways, um, so I think Gacy's character has shifted significantly. He's no longer like the woke character that I thought was somewhat interesting to see where they would go. He's now just your your generic, like, crazy person. He's sounding a lot more like Bray Wyatt at this point every week to me, right? Like, he's just kind of doing the, the cult, cult leader thing. Yeah, cultist. But now Harland wasn't even there in either segment tonight, so I don't even know if that's what's going on anymore. But I have lost interest in Gacy. Um, he was one of the characters I thought was kind of unique, and they were doing something different, but it's just regressed into normal, like, Bray Wyatt crazy person. Um, Santos Escobar is giving Wild and Mendoza, Whoa. Uh, Del Toro, a pep talk ahead of their gauntlet match. Tony D'Angelo Does he has... refer to him as Del Toro or anything? I don't think he used their names at okay. all. D'Angelo interrupts, offers Escobar an envelope full of money, but Escobar refuses it, puts it in D'Angelo's pocket, and walks off. 
why what was the money for Because it's the idea he's a mobster and he just pays people off for whatever he wants right well, what's he paying him for to i don't know what <laughs> I, I, I don't know I, I don't like these two together escobar is awesome and everything d'angelo touches comes across looking like a cartoon to me so i want i want escobar to escape this somehow i want d'angelo to go away or get a new gimmick because i don't really have a problem with him in the ring most of the time He's just a casualty of awful writing and an awful character that uh, is just an anchor for him right now. Cora Jade comes to the ring and gets a large speaking segment, so that's a great idea. Her promo. I'm shortening it quite a bit, believe me. She she says she held her own at Stand and Deliver, and her parents were there to watch. She came close and now needs to become the women's champion. She uses the word promo here, talks about her journal, names a bunch of uh, WWE talent she looks up to, then Natalia's music hits and she comes out. Natty loves everyone and the crowd chants for far too much considering it's Natalia. That's not nice, but that's what's in my notes, so I'm going to say it. Uh, Jade is trying to act like she's freaking out meeting Natty and it's super awkward. She's trying to do like the Bailey thing that back when Bailey was so impressed to meet everybody, you know. Natty is thrilled to have inspired Cora Jade and even pointed at Jade in the crowd when Jade was a kid. And she's like, I'm so glad I pointed at the right kid. Okay. What? So Natty's basically uh. in tears a couple times here. Says that Jade is the future. Dot dot dot. But the future is bleak. You think she's gonna? And she I attacks. Mean, she is a mid Carter, right? So yes. I think. She, oh, she's, she's gonna run the show. Star here. It's well, the Ziggler no, she's effect. Gonna, yeah, exactly. She's gonna take the title the and just thing. run roughshod for a month and then drop it on SmackDown to Cora Jade. Exactly. So Natty attacks, applies a sharpshooter. Um. I'm sorry, but Cora Jade really sounds like she's battling to remember the lines she's supposed to say. She doesn't sound natural at all, even though she's saying things that probably happened in her life, right? But it still doesn't sound believable, even though it's real, which is a really bad thing. She is super young. She has tons of time to get better. But I don't think she's very good at much involving professional wrestling at this point. I'd likely feel the same way. I'd said this to you. If AEW were relentlessly pushing Julia Hart this hard, I would have the same concerns, right? Um, I thought Natalia did an excellent job in her role, but again, we have years and years and years of being told that she's kind of inconsequential, and now she's going to come here and be a dominant force like Ziggler. Um, I don't want Natalia in NXT, but if she has to be here, I'd much rather have this heel Natalia here. And again, part of Natalia's problem is she's flip-flopped so many times, like Big Show, right, and Kane, that it's just hard to take any of it seriously, because she goes from heel to face at the drop of a hat, it seems. Um... Brooks Jensen and Fallon Henley are backstage yelling and getting fired up for the gauntlet match. We get a quick little vignette announcing that Nathan Frazier is coming to NXT, which I think is cool. He's fun to watch. We then get, are you ready to add this on your short list of matches of the year? Even though you haven't seen it, you'd have to agree with me. Uh-huh. Draco Anthony yep. taking on Zion Quinn. Oh, yeah. Take my money. Where's Zion Quinn been? He's been sort Quinn of... Ben. He's Ooh. been sort of trying to talk Draco Anthony into not joining Joe Gacy, and now that's created friction between Anthony and Quinn, because Anthony doesn't Anthony, want any advice from Quinn. He, oh, I thought it's because he that's wants... That's all it is. Okay, this is weird. Quinn wants to shake hands mid-match. Anthony refuses. Anthony gets a few things in, but mocks Quinn eventually, who fires up. Three forearms, and Quinn wins in... Under three minutes. Correct. Uh, standard NXT three-minute match. Quinn still seems the same as always. He looks really cool, but can't do much in the ring. And that was what we got here. Natalia is then walking backstage, conveniently among almost all of the women on this roster. Tatum Paxley walks up, challenges Natalia, since she can't get noticed by Diamond Mine or anyone else. 
Natalia accepts the challenge and puts the rest of the women's division on notice because the boat is here, which I hate as well. Her boat acronym thing. Dumb. Uh, Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada are backstage with their men, and they are bickering over who would have won the match last week if it had continued, because it ended in a double countout. Apparently, Duke and Loomis will team up for the gauntlet match, because, okay. as you do, just throw people together, right? Um, Duke doesn't want to, but the women convince them to do it, and the men reluctantly agree. So, I hate everything about this story. It never fails. It's almost always the worst thing on every episode. So, quickly, the main event, Tag Team Championship Gauntlet. The Creeds are out first, and that's the draw they were thrilled about. So, I think this is indicating that they're babyfaces, because it's really hard to tell with Diamond Mine. But the fact that they were so thrilled to be the first team in a gauntlet match, that can't be heels, am I right? Is that not a classic indicator of babyfaceness? And maybe. I think so. Uh, so Legato are out next, accompanied by Elector Lopez. And this is where I'm like, so Mendoza's name has just changed out of the blue because he is whatever Del Toro. Cruz Del Toro right. or Cruz. <laughs> is um, it Cruz? That'd be funny. This is where, and I think you pointed it out, you saw it too. The barricade near the ramp, right, is dangerously close to the ring. Um, and Wild almost jumps into it by accident. So I don't understand because in an arena where people are still learning and you have tons of green people, wouldn't you think you'd want to give them as much room at ringside as possible? But they've made this like the most dangerous ringside because those barricades are right. There's almost no room. Yeah, Even I where the don't ramp, like their um where the ramp setup. meets the ring. It's really tight, right? Yeah, because they have like yeah, I don't I don't like why they made it so small. Like they've made they they made like the small place feel smaller. Like I feel like full yes. sale was, or I guess now it's the PC because it's. The I'm sure they're like, trying to pack in as many seats as possible, and they right. sacrificed. So I think before 2.0, it was a really nice setup. Yeah, but. this is a, it's a weird choice. Anyways, quick tag corner offense by Legato and a sweet twisting brainbuster by Mendoza slash Del Toro to Julius. Huge belly to belly by Julius. He tags in the fresh Brutus who dominates. 450 by Wild and Julius has to break up the pinfall. Distraction to Mendoza. Assisted Alabama slam and a sliding clothesline. Legato are eliminated after a really fast-paced four and a half minutes. Jensen and Briggs are out next. Fallon Henley and Elector Lopez get after each other a bit on the ramp. Yay, what a feud that'll be. Mm. Commentary refer, refer to the belts as vacated again, but offer no elaboration beyond that, obviously. Uh, Briggs and Jensen tandem choke bomb Brutus through the commentary table. That actually looked really good. Um, Briggs and Jensen do some other... They're super basic double team moves while Brutus is incapacitated. They actually miss on an atomic drop boot combo. The boot does not connect at all. Brutus comes back just in time to break up a pinfall attempt. Briggs and Jensen go for their high-low finisher, but Briggs gets dragged to the floor by Julius. Brutus hits the sliding clothesline to Jensen for the win in about eight minutes of total action so far. Or sorry, eight minutes between these two teams. Waller and Sanga are team four. They're out next. Waller's still in the sling. Sanga dominates early, tags in Waller, who quickly reveals he's not injured as he rips off his sling. What a heel this guy is, eh? The Creeds work to stop Waller from tagging Sanga back in, but even when he does, they each pick up Sanga and slam him and hit the sliding clothesline for the win anyways. Pretty Deadly are out next and last, so what happened to this Loomis and... Duke I Hudson I never... I didn't see them in the match, I was like, I didn't know... They never, they're not in it. Pretty Deadly are out last... So they face the exhausted Creeds at this point. We get amazing heel gear, I thought, on Pretty Deadly. They're wearing, like, light-colored tights that I can't identify due to colorblindness. And those, like, I call them third shirts. Like, they're a third of a shirt that just cover their shoulders and arms that look pretty awesome for heels. 
So this is the story of the fresh team willing to take shortcuts, uh, taking it to an exhausted team who are just trying their best at this point, get an assisted lung blower to Brutus for a near fall. Things break down, the ref struggles to gain control, pretty deadly dispatch of Julius illegally for the finish, and hit their spine buster neck breaker combination and Spill pin, milk. pin yeah, pin Brutus fairly quickly. Um, I actually thought this was a really fun main event. Really good pace, other than Sanga's spots being a bit slower. Kept moving along really nicely. I think the Creeds look strong yet again. Um, and this creates a nice story, right, where they can be the baby faces. I think they are. And they can chase a strong heel champion in Pretty Deadly. So I, I think that makes sense to me. Pretty Deadly didn't get quite as strong a heel reaction from the fans that I'd hoped. But they're clearly a more polished as characters than most of this whole roster. I think they add a quality heel tag team to make up for Imperium being gone. So I thought this was a really good NXT main event. And I was I'm mostly surprised pretty deadly one. I was I saw Me that too. I was like, oh I'm happy with it though. Uh so I was mostly entertained. I think they're just setting up the Creeds like dominated the match and they came in first and they fought hard, so then it's like Race baby the face chase. I they think. carried the the girth of the match, yes. we'll say. And then the heels kind of came in and stole like it. A... Right. Uh, mixed bag this week overall. I like the opener, Sokoa and Grimes, just fine. I don't think it was amazing. And I thought the main event gauntlet match delivered pretty well too. Matches in between were weak, as tends to be the case in recent weeks. I'm always saying like opener and, and main event were pretty good, right? But we got a Von Wagner squash, don't care. Zion Quinn squash, don't care. Um, and a very underwhelming Dakota Kai Mandy Rose title match. Um, Natalia's arrival was one of the big things, and that's fine. Um, but she's, again, flipped from heel to face so many times in her career, I don't really care. She did a good job, but it doesn't move the needle for me. Breaker Gacy stuff was a miss for me with the ring somehow being meaningful as a kidnapping and Gacy just descending into like a more generic cult leader character as opposed to at least what was somewhat an original woke character, right? right. Um, then we got the terrible Hartwell Parada stuff. Talented Escobar getting tangled up with a cartoon character in D'Angelo. So for me, it all adds up to a C- show. Entertaining stuff to bookend, but a bunch of nonsense in between, which I think has been my refrain for a few weeks now. All right, last thing. You ready? I'll fly through some Impact. Impact Wrestling. Opening segment shows Alexander still mad at Moose, who won't be there tonight. Eliza Alexander. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so he's talking to Demore, and Demore's like, Moose isn't here tonight. And Alexander took out his frustrations on Madman. Fulton last week were shown. Morrissey's in the ring cutting a super baby face promo, which is weird to me because I've missed a couple weeks of Impact. So the guy who went from like, I have no friends and nobody ever has friends in wrestling and everyone turns you is now like, I love the fans. You're the best. Thanks for supporting me. It's an odd change. He says he's clean, sober, in the best shape of his life. Brian Myers comes out, says that Morrissey has wasted opportunities that guys in the back will never get. Myers threatens to leave Morrissey lying like he was in the building because he's back in the building where he had a seizure. So they're making reference to that. Myers runs away from Morrissey. Morrissey catches him. Chelsea Green distracts Morrissey. Cardona hits Morrissey with a belt shot from behind. So Myers, Cardona, and Green, I think they're going by the major players. Um, they kind of work together and they put Morrissey through a table here. So I hadn't seen Impact in a few weeks, so I was surprised seeing this heel faction. Uh, but they're kind of interesting, to be honest. It's the most interesting that Cardona and Green have been to me since being an Impact, so I'm okay with it. Champ Champ Challenge. Perazzo defeated Willow Nightingale. Pretty short but good TV match between the two. Willow looked good, earned a couple near falls, and seemed to have nice support from the crowd. But in the end, Perazzo's too tough and hit what I think is an awesome-looking Venus de Milo submission that looks impossible to get out of, so it's pretty protected, looked good. Mickey James talks to Gia. 
She's just getting started with Chelsea Green. She'll beat Chelsea Green like she's her little sister. Uh, Chelsea Green shows up and they start fighting. Cardona and Meyer show up. They hold Mickey James and Mickey ends up taking a purse shot from Chelsea Green. Tasha Steeles is not concerned about Havoc being her next opponent. I wouldn't either because it's Havoc. Mm-hmm. Tasha talks about the realm. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's come up in the past few weeks. And her history with Havoc from the tag division. Tasha's ready for their mind games. Decay take over the screens in the room and do spooky stuff as Tasha looks annoyed. Gresham, Rocky Romero. Eddie Edwards is shown watching the match backstage. Good match where the result was never in doubt. Very similar to the women's match early in the show, actually, to me. Fast, crisp offense from both. Gresham picks up the win with a unique-looking roll-up after a suicide dive to the floor. An emotional Josh Alexander recaps his issues with Moose again. We get uh, it's alternating between him talking, training montages, and match highlights. Uh, back to the realistic style of storytelling for Alexander that I really liked. It looks like his push is full on back, and I think Alexander, it's his time to run with the ball in this company. Mike Bailey hits a heavy bag until Ace Austin interrupts. Fulton had his ankle broken by Alexander. Austin tries to angle toward he and Bailey working together against Trey in their match, and Bailey is non-committal uses some ambiguous language that leaves Austin looking confused. So a decent interaction here, I thought. Um, it seems to be the same as before when I was watching. It's still Ace Austin trying to befriend Bailey and Bailey kind of being non-committal about it. We then get Alex Shelley taken on Macklin. We got a nice looking crosshair for a near fall. Big running knee on the floor by Macklin. Saban gets involved at ringside. Macklin ends up getting run into the post before Shelley hits him with a sliced bread on the floor. Saban knocks Macklin's feet off the ropes during a pinfall attempt. And surprisingly, Shelley hits his shell shock DDT for the win here. I was fully assuming Macklin wins ahead of his match against Jay White at their next pay-per-view, but Shelley uh, snuck out a win here. I thought it was a really good match, and my match of the night to this point, maybe even overall. Really good intensity, clear contrast in styles between the two. Again, I would have preferred Macklin pick up a quality win ahead of his match with White at Rebellion. That's the name of it, Rebellion. But he looked really strong in defeat, and it's nice to see Shelly back, and he can definitely still work. I know you're a Shelly fan, right? So mm-hmm, he looked yeah. good here. Madison Rain and Giselle are getting chippy with each other backstage about Caleb being fired and other stuff. The audio and the content was bad, so I paid little attention. Another video for Moose Alexander, this time focusing more on Moose's perspective. With him talking, he admits to having no conscience and doing whatever it takes to become champion. I thought it was another slick package, combining highlights, training montages, and talking. And they are definitely putting a lot into this feud. I appreciate the effort. It almost borders on too much on this episode. But it was a good segment, um, but really, really long, if I'm being honest. Honor No More are in the ring. Eddie Edwards sucks up to the crowd briefly, then mocks them for being fickle. Mike Bennett takes over more of the same, and it's really boring. Then Taven takes his turn. The fans turn their backs on them, etc., etc. This took way too long for them to say very little in this pro. Basically, they just wanted to say the fans have abandoned us, and they all took turns saying the same thing for some reason. Then Bullet Club interrupt. White doesn't like that Honor No More think they are the best. Gallo says stuff about Honor No More owing the Bullet Club. Anderson flirts with Maria briefly. They also take way too long to say very little, and they end up brawling in the ring just to make this segment even longer. PCO jumps onto a pile of people. Uh, This segment did not work for me. They both took far too long to say almost nothing. Doesn't feel like there's any actual heat here. It just kind of feels like, hey, these two groups have similar numbers of people, so let's put them into a program for a while. Um, Didn't really interest me. 
Could be my fault. Maybe I missed some amazing build in the last couple of weeks, but this felt kind of flat for me and was far too long for the result. So Jonah walks out actually here for the main event to take on PCO. So Jonah has to walk through the wreckage of the last segment. Um, and we get lots of time spent on the floor early in this one. PCO duct tapes his own neck. He goes to ringside and grabs duct tape and starts wrapping around his own neck. They suggest he's trying to make a neck brace, I guess. I, I don't know what he's doing. We get a hard shoulder, ta shoulder tackle off the apron to PCO on the floor that looked good from Jonah. Jonah dominates once they're back in the ring. We get a buckle bomb by Jonah, which is impressive because PCO is a huge guy. But PCO explodes out of the corner with a clothesline. Tombstone pile driver by Jonah, but PCO kicks out after a one count. We get a nice high cross off the top from PCO. Two diving headbutts off the rope for PCO, but it only gets him a two count. He then misses his PCO moonsault. He misses the, de or he misses the deanimator on the apron as well. And that leads to Jonah hitting the tsunami and picking up the pinfall victory. PCO does his sit-up thing after, so Jonah beats on him some more. Takes a chair to PCO, and I thought it was interesting that no one comes out to help him. Um, nobody in honor no more makes any attempt here. So then we get was a cool looking spot chair lying on top of PCO and a tsunami from uh, Jonah that looked really good. So I thought this was a physical match between two really big guys and honestly over delivered for me because I am not a PCO fan. But the fact that Jonah works a slower pace as well, I think kind of helps out PCO because he doesn't have to keep up with a smaller, faster guy here. So I actually thought this was pretty good a slugfest of a main event on a show that honestly had pretty good in-ring work throughout. Um, and the tsunami with the chair to end the show looked really cool, I thought. So all in all, I'd say I picked a pretty enjoyable episode of Impact to get back into and talk about. Nothing was bad in ring. Um, and the main event and the Shelly Macklin match, I thought were both really good. Definitely a lot of Alexander Moose stuff here, building that feud and that match where I assume Alexander is going to take the title and go on a lengthy run with it. Bordering on too much um, build for this match, but it's nice that they're actually giving it some attention, and it was pretty well done. It made the match feel important. Honor No More Bullet Club stuff took away way too long and was my least favorite thing on this show, but everything else was pretty solid, so it seems like my typical grade this week, I gave Impact Wrestling a solid B. What are your thoughts? Nice. You didn't see any of it. I didn't watch any And you of barely it. listened to me talk about it there, but that's okay. It's hard to have thoughts. Um... <laughs> So I don't know, you're saying there was not anything for They've figuring it out? They've been slacking on me. Okay, so we will not have figuring it out this week. We're at the mercy of whenever they put out new information on figures, and there's nothing of relevance for us right now. We are. I am at the mercy of them, yes. You are. So I think that's going to bring us to the end of episode 91. As yeah. There's nothing major, anything going on this week, right? All the bells is tonight, so I guess we can, we can, we'll probably throw a mention out uh, yeah. next week. And along with Rampage, we got to catch up on. Right. So yeah, we definitely We may talk about those that. briefly at some yeah. point, but we'll definitely be back here for episode 92 next week, so we look forward to seeing you all back here. Bring some friends along with you. Tell somebody else they should listen. If you like what we're doing, we'd really appreciate the support. For sure. Thanks for listening to anything we do. Really appreciate it from all of you, and we will see you back here next week. Until then, take care. <laughs>